iHeartRadio.com. Monday, the 30th of October. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Eternal glory to you, O Lord. You alone are God. Grant us the gifts of worship and wonder that we may look to you. You are the source of all life. Grant us reverence for all that lives. You are the beginning and the end of all that is. Grant us the wisdom to live according to your purposes. O Lord our God, you have brought all things into being from Christ and in Christ and for Christ. May we live the worship we offer you in lives of love and praise through the same Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning. A happy what we call this, uh, we'll call it All Hallows' Eve Eve. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. As usual, to start things off on a Monday after the news with Anna Mitchell, we will talk to Kevin Schmeezy and get a look at this week in Catholic history. Dr. Matthew Bunsen has reports back from the Synod. He's been covering it for EWTN. Father John Gavin is going to be along. He has been walking through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and looking at various places the Church Fathers are cited. Today we get to talk about Tertullian and uh, really actually a pretty famous quote that you may know but not, might not have realized it was from him. And then uh, Donna Murphy will join us from Heaven's Gain and uh, discuss some of the resources they have for grieving families who've lost an infant or an unborn, unborn child. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have discussed efforts to free hostages held by the Palestinian group Hamas while stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. The White House says the two leaders spoke during a call yesterday morning in which Biden stressed the need to significantly increase assistance to meet the needs of Palestinian civilians. The call comes as Israeli forces expanded air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas. Israel's military says its fighter jets struck more than 450 Hamas targets in Gaza since Saturday. Meanwhile, Pope Francis has repeated his call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. In his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called for Hamas to release Israelis it's holding as hostages, and he called on the world to continue providing aid to the besieged Palestinian enclave of Gaza full of civilians. In an emotional appeal for the ceasefire, the Holy Father said, war is always a defeat. The Pope yesterday also presided over the closing mass for this year's gathering of the Synod on Synodality. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The celebration in St. Peter's Basilica marked the culmination of this first session of the Synod on Synodality, looking at communion, participation, and mission. Reflecting on the day's Gospel reading, when a doctor of the law tests Jesus by asking him which commandment in the law is greatest, 
The Pope said this important and enduring question can arise in our own hearts and the life of the church. And the Lord's answer that we should love God with our whole life and love our neighbor as ourselves points to the heart of everything, he said, and how everything can begin anew. Amare. Amare Dio con tutta la vita e amare il prossimo come a se stessi. In fact, love invites adoration, he observed, as a response to God's gratuitous and astonishing love. And to adore God means to acknowledge in faith that he alone is Lord and that our individual lives, the church's pilgrim wave, and the ultimate outcome of history all depend on the tenderness of his love. Secondo verbo è servire. Amare e servire. The second great commandment, the Pope said, regards loving our neighbor as ourselves. And he said to adore God and to love our brothers and sisters with his love, that is the great and perennial reform. In conclusion, the Pope said the Lord will guide us and help us to be a more synodal and missionary church, a church that adores God and serves the women and men of our time, going forth to bring to everyone the consoling joy of the gospel. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Delegates at the Senate Assembly have approved the summary document for this year's gathering. The National Catholic Register reports the document was approved paragraph by paragraph with two-thirds of the 344 participants needing to vote in favor of including each one. The summary reports call for greater co-responsibility in the church with the laity and proposes global synodal assemblies for decision-making in the church. The most controversial paragraphs, according to the National Catholic Register, call for further study and research into a potential women's diaconate. There's word that police in Maine were sent to check on the man who killed 18 people in a mass shooting just weeks before it happened. Multiple reports indicate the Maine National Guard asked local police to check on Robert Card after a soldier felt he may, quote, snap and commit a mass shooting, end quote. Officers tried to contact Card on September 16th, a little over a month before the incident took place. Card was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound on Friday night. The judge overseeing former President Trump's January 6th case is reinstating a gag order imposed on him. Mark Mayfield has more. The limited gag order was temporarily stopped earlier this month, with the judge denying the former president's request to pause the order while his appeal plays out. The order denies Trump from making certain statements about both the special counsel team or potential witnesses. I'm Mark Mayfield. The United Auto Workers Union is expanding its strike against General Motors. Shortly after the union announced a tentative deal with Stellantis on Saturday, the UAW said it will order workers to walk out of GM's Spring Hill assembly plant in Tennessee. The plant employs nearly 4,000 workers. The move comes the same week the UAW reached a tentative agreement with Ford. The auto workers have been on strike since September 15th. And the Diamondbacks will be hosting their first World Series game since 2001 tonight. The Snakes and Rangers will meet in Game 3 of the Fall Classic in Phoenix. The best of seven set is all tied up at one game apiece after the teams split the first two games in Arlington. That includes the D-backs' 9-1 win in Game 2 on Saturday. Rookie Brandon Fott will be on the mound for the Diamondbacks. Texas will counter with former D-back Max Scherzer in any best-of-seven series tied 1-1. The winner of Game 3 has gone on to take the series 69% of the time. 
Okay. Stat Those things mean nothing day, to me, Anna Mitchell. Stat of the day. No. I don't, those things those things make mean nothing to me. What oh. matters is the project you put on the field tonight. Well, it's true. You know, I went to bed uh went to bed early. Yeah. Uh well by early I mean like reasonable time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see any of the, the Bears and Chargers. I went to go check on the scores and they've got uh on the other four letter network that starts with an E, the top thing is is Ryan Tannehill in his uh Tennessee Oilers jersey, oh. and it has actually, I haven't seen it this prominently displayed, but he's got, on the inside of his throwing arm, he's got Second Chronicles 15-7. It just says, like, Second Chronicles 15-7 on it. I was like, well, did you I, look I don't, what is not many verse? people put, like, Chronicles. Yeah. Like, well, if they're going to get a Bible verse tattooed. Well, Babylonian you know exile time. Yeah, do you know you know what? Uh, what I do what not know there? what it is. What is that for? So I do not simple. have any verse from Chronicles memorized. I must admit, I don't have many. It says, "Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded." Huh? What's the context? I feel like it's a good thing it? to. Uh, I would have to go. Look. Oh, what did you <laughs> All, say? Everything was? in Chronicles requires gonna... lots of tra- lots of context. But yeah. I'll I'll pull it up here. And maybe we can without without context at least it's good thing second that, you know, chronicles what to put on your throwing arm second chronicles fifteen seven oh it's an aces reforms seventeen asa good king asa ah, yes. is like trying to like put things back in order after a few wicked got kings. it yeah cool cool it's a prophecy from Azariah to asa very neat there you go cool I was just I like it. I was like, wow, I've never seen like that prominent. It's like a billboard almost. Oh, really? I don't have to. Have to Are we Titans fans today? I don't know. Eh, I don't know. You no, know, we're not, I guess. You're from Tennessee. Yeah, but not Nash Vegas. <laughs> well, today is Monday, October the 30th, and we are happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 10 past. It's time for our weekly look at this week in Catholic history and our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeising, with us to do it. He's author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Annie. So we head to revolutionary times to kick things off this morning. Take us to Philadelphia and a massive Thanksgiving there. Exactly. This week back in 1781, we've talked many times on this segment about the involvement of Catholics in the American Revolution. Colonial figures such as Charles Carroll and foreign volunteers such as Casimir Pulaski. On October 19th, 1781, the British surrendered at Yorktown. That brought the hostilities to a close, and it made good the Declaration of Independence that had been declared five years earlier. Catholic Americans shared in the celebrations that were ignited across the colonies, and one especially Catholic way of celebrating is a massive Thanksgiving. One took place on Sunday, November 4th, this week in 1781. The venue was the Church of St. Mary in what was then the capital of the new nation, Philadelphia. St. Mary's, built in 1763, was one of only a handful of Catholic churches in the U.S. at that point. The French foreign minister organized the event, and he invited all members of Congress to attend. Some accounts say that George Washington was there, but as well as I can tell, while he did attend a Mass once or twice, he wasn't Mm -hmm. present at this one. The homilist for the Mass was... Yeah, that's right. The homilist for the Mass was the French minister's chaplain, Father Seraphim Bondol. Abbe Bondol said, among other things, 
On this solemn occasion, we might renew our thanks to the God of battles for the success he has granted to the arms of your allies and your friends by land and by sea. Your union, which was at first supported by justice alone, has been consolidated by your courage, and the knot which ties you together has become indissoluble. You present to the universe the noble sight of a society which, founded in equality and justice, secures to the individuals who compose it the utmost happiness which can lie derived from human institutions. Annie, it's an exalted view of the American experiment, and I hope we, we prove worthy of it. The Catholic Mass of Thanksgiving for victory in the revolution was this week in 1781. Well, luckily, we've still got time, so we can keep trying, for sure. Amen. Now, let's stick to that same date, November the 4th, close to uh, about 150 years later, and the birth of an Indian writer and Jesuit. Yeah, we've looked at an array of exceptional Jesuit scholars over the years. Here's a new one we haven't covered. He was a decorated Indian author. That's Asian Indian, not American Indian. Father Carlos Valles, as his name suggests, Valles was Spanish by birth. So he was born in northern Spain this week, November 4th, 1925. When he was still a young boy, his father died. Then the Spanish Civil War erupted, so his family lost their home. They fled to another city where Carlos and his brother attended a Jesuit school. Carlos entered the Society of Jesus at the age of 15. He asked to be sent to missions in the East. The Society was in the process of starting a Catholic college in Ahmedabad, the biggest city in the western Indian state of Gujarat. So Valles studied mathematics at Madras University, where he also learned English as well as the native language of Gujarati. Now, that wasn't a simple task because it has its own script, but it was one that he saw as necessary to his ministry. As he later put it, English was enough to teach mathematics, but not to reach the hearts. Ordained a priest in 1958, he began teaching math at the university in Ahmedabad two years later. In that same year, 1960, he self-published his first book in Gujarati. It became immensely popular. He would go on to publish widely in three languages and in both technical and popular fields. I think it was something like 78 books he published over the course of his life. Wow. He won the highest award for Gujarati literature in 1978 and was posthumously awarded the Padma Shri, which is an honor from the Indian government in 2021. Valles retired from his university post in 1990, returned to Spain. He died in Madrid in 2020 five days after the 95th anniversary of his birth, which was this week in 1925. Wow, a true son of St. Francis Xavier, who was, of course, the original Spanish Jesuit missionary to India. We've been talking to Kevin Schmeising. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com alongside his Catholic History Trek podcast. And don't forget to click that subscribe button when you head over to the show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. All right, it's a quarter past. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. Rain showers will be soaking the Gulf Coast to the northeast near and ahead of a slow-moving cold front. Behind that front, just cold enough air could lead to the season's first snowflakes falling from parts of the central Appalachian spine to northern and western New England. Meanwhile, isolated showers and thunderstorms could lead to a soggy afternoon and evening in southern Florida today. 
winds will make this will with this front will make for very chilly air across the central U.S., particularly Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Gusts could reach up to 40 miles per hour. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Stay with us. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Have you ever wished you could listen to EWTN on a local radio station? Maybe our Lord is speaking to your heart to help make that happen. Don't let a lack of experience hold you back. Find out how you can help start a Catholic radio station where you live. Powered by the truth of the church and EWTN's dynamic radio programming. Email Steve at this address, radio at EWTN.com. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have discussed efforts to free hostages held by Hamas while stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address yesterday, repeated his call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. And the Holy Father yesterday presided over the closing mass for this year's gathering of the Synod on Synodality. Anna Mitchell, it's too early in the week to do it, but I got to air a retraction. Oh. I messed up. Wow. I messed up. Already on a Monday. I, on a Monday. I have an apology, first of all, to Tennessee Titans fans. Uh, second of all, to Ryan Tannehill himself. Uh, third of all, to the University of Kentucky football faithful, who I know are listening. I misidentified the person wearing the Tennessee Oilers picture at the top of that other four-letter channel that starts with an E's oh. webpage. It wasn't Ryan Tannehill. It was uh, draftee Will Levis from the University of Kentucky. Oh. Second Chronicles 15-7 tattooed on the inside of his arm. And I, I don't know why I didn't notice that before. I mean, Ryan's been in the league. I feel like if I would have seen that on the inside of Ryan Tannehill's arm wow. at some point. But Will's new to the league. Yeah. And I didn't see a whole bunch of his stuff at mm. the University of Kentucky. Hmm. So Will Levis is the one who has... Second Chronicles 15, 7 on his arm. I admit, I don't know a ton about Will Levis, but I do know this, Anna Mitchell. He has a Hellman's Mayonnaise 
sponsorship. Do you know Ooh. this about him? Uh, no. Do you know why? Should I even tell you why? I don't. Paul think Lockman I is probably know. like cringing and like hiding under the yeah, desk he's in the other room, shaking his head. Uh, apparently, he puts it in his coffee. So uh, neat. Yeah. We'll I've heard us. people put butter in. Co- you were talking about that last week. Yeah, like the bulletproof coffees. But I don't know what I have, mayonnaise. I know people in a that put like that. coconut oil in their coffee. Sure. Um. I'm sure there's a lot of people putting weird stuff in their coffee I as we speak. Where like, look it over at the mayonnaise coffee. jar and be like, ah, you know what? No. I drink it black. I do but too. it was kind of a process for me. So it started off with like hot chocolate mix with coffee. Yeah. And then eventually mocha. I went into using flavored creamer. And yeah. then that changed into milk. And then it was like less and less milk till finally one lens. I was black. like, the end. I got to go black. And What's Mitchell, have I, ever, have I ever told you the difference between mayonnaise and Miracle Whip? You know this? Right. Mayonnaise is delicious. Miracle Whip is an abomination in the sight of God. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Donna Murphy will talk about Heaven's Gain Ministry. Gina Marie Tennant will discuss her new book, An American Little Flower, Blessed Miriam Teresa Demjanovic. I will reflect on the universal call to holiness with frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly made a clean you can trust. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from JC Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning. Dr. Matthew Bunsen is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Doc, welcome back. Good morning. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And the 344 delegates, voting delegates of the Synod on Synodality 
this weekend closed up shop for this year, uh, voting paragraph by paragraph on a report from their proceedings over the past few weeks. And I guess you could say this is going to become the working document for next year's assembly when they do this all over again in Rome. What would you say are the the most significant proposals that are going to be up for further discussion next October? Yeah, well, I think uh, you've made an important point that we always have to keep our eye on the fact that this is a document that is supposed to be the launching point for the next 11 months. Uh, we are likely to have another working document, the so-called Instrumentum Laboris, or the mm-hmm. blueprint uh, for the next uh, synod, synodal gathering, probably in the late spring. That's important because then we need to focus on this document uh, for giving us clues as to what the deliberations actually were deliberating and uh, what was approved and in some ways what was not. And, and I say that because... Yeah. At the heart of this uh, are the votes, and one of the keys to this is understanding that this is designed to get us somewhere, not necessarily to draw conclusions. And I think that's one of the reasons why it had unanimous, uh, all of the paragraphs, I should say, were approved by pretty solid majorities, well over the two-thirds. So when we look at what is in here, I think the the biggest thing is a call for heightened lay participation in the life of the church, in particular women. Now, that does not mean uh, that this body endorsed somehow the proposals that were made during the synodal discussions for the ordination for women to the priesthood, and it even dodged in many ways the question of uh, the possibility of women deacons. And then we can get into these, some of the proposed changes to the structure of how some things are done in the church. But one thing that is missing here in some ways is a massive proposal for a huge inversion of the pyramid in the life of the church in terms of her structure and hierarchy. You know, I'm kind of curious about all of this as I was, I was thinking about how this document proposes um, a, a more significant role for the laity in the decision-making of the church, although, as you say, not a complete inverted pyramid here. Um, the, is this what Vatican II was calling for in Lumen Gentium? I mean, are they trying to, to bring about so, or would you say that they're trying to take Vatican II even a step further? I think that uh, as uh, we've heard now for a month uh, throughout this, uh, the invoking of the Second Vatican Council was a pretty common occurrence. Now, it's a matter of debate as to whether or not they were invoking it properly. There were some uses of Dei Verbum, for example, the Second Vatican Council's important document on Revelation, that I think several theologians uh, use somewhat controversial, I think, mm. in particular of uh, the theologian Ormond Rush in his presentation about a week ago. Having said that, I do believe that this is uh, very much an effort that we have seen with Pope Francis uh, to embrace, at least as far as they're concerned, the, the call of the Second Vatican Council for a much more engaged and active laity uh, in the life of the Church and for the leadership of the Church to listen more attentively uh, to the people of God. Left intact, I think, uh, is uh, the hierarchical structure, and that we need to keep coming back to that. 
uh, for example, the proposal that was uh, clearly in, in one of the drafts uh, to create a kind of permanent synodal council similar ominously to what they had in Germany mm. being proposed by their own synodal path was not accepted, was taken out of the final report. And instead, we're going to have a beefed up council of cardinals, which already exists, and which is very clearly only an advisory body for Pope Francis. Sure. Um, I found it interesting. We did get an actual definition of synodality. Can you talk about that? <laughs> Yes. Well, as you know, one of the huge questions uh, uh, coming into this uh, was, what does synodality even mean? And in this sense, uh, uh, the, the synodal participants, we can't say council fathers or synodal fathers, because there were 54 <laughs> women, women there, there yeah. <laughs> actually took a stab at providing some sort of a comprehensive definition. And, and very briefly, it can, they said that it could be understood as the walk of Christians with Christ and toward the kingdom together with all humanity, mission-oriented, and then it, it uses some of the key phrases of listening, of discernment, of consensus building. What I found especially interesting here is that we have heard for several years this idea of synhodos, of journeying together. But there have been some criticisms, especially by some bishops and, and theologians, uh, that it has to be more than that, and it is more than simply journeying together. It has to be the journeying together, or in this case, the walk of Christians with Christ. And to include that, I think, is essential. It really points to the dramatic amendments that were introduced. There were over 1,100 of them. Mm. Well, we're running out of time here, but I'm just going to ignore the music, Paul. I'm sorry, because I have one more significant question that I want to ask Dr. Bunsen before we uh, move on to the news here in just a moment. Is um, a lot of people were very concerned about the LGBT yes. issues. So can you address that before we let you go, Dr. Bunsen? Yeah, very briefly, the, the word LGBT, LGBTQ does not appear in the final draft. Uh, it does talk about people who may be feeling isolated, and that is certainly a, an expression of, of the need for pastoral care, which we find in respect, we find in the catechism. Uh, the question of gender identity and sexual orientation does find its way in the document, but under the heading uh, and is listed with various controversial issues that the Church needs to be taking up, uh, but it did not make any dramatic proposals, for example, for the experimentation with same-sex blessings. So mm -hmm. I think this was the real result, I think, of the amendments that were introduced and the belief, the, the commitment to find a consensus that could get this document out the door. Let's be realists that we have another year ahead of us, and I think uh, next year's is going to be much more potentially contentious uh, but in many ways, the ground has now been staked uh, for what's going to come. Well, curious. Sorry, we're going to keep going for just one more minute here. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen from EWTN News about the Synod on Synodality. Um, you have an article on the front page of the National Catholic Register with uh, the headline, Cardinal Mueller says, this is Cardinal Gerhardt Mueller, says Synod on Synodality is being used by some to prepare the church to accept false teaching. Thoughts on that, Dr. Bunsen? Yeah, I think these are some of the concerns uh, that were raised uh, heading into the Senate. 
I think that there were very clear efforts that we know this from the daily briefings. We know this from uh, the draft document. We know this from uh, many of the things that Senate participants said, that there were genuine efforts uh, and demands for changes to the teachings of the church. In particular, we can look at uh, the calls for ordination of women, for example. Those were clearly not taken up, but I think it set off a series of counter-discussions, which in many ways was the goal of some of this, uh, the first weeks here, uh, this first session. I think Cardinal Mueller and many others are going to remain vigilant and potentially uh, aware of the potential risks uh, that could come from this. We have seen this before with the Amazonian Synod, uh, where there were proposals put forward uh, by Pope Francis. Uh, by, by the Synod Fathers, uh, including the, the Viri Probati and the potential women deacons, but Pope Francis chose not to embrace those. Mm. Um, what he did with the document is another thing entirely, but he did not include those proposals or enact those proposals in his own reflection on the Synod. So let's stay very focused, too, that this is Francis's Synod. This is a topic that he chose and he is very involved and, and very taken up with this topic. So at the end of the day, it will be Pope Francis being the one to decide what ultimately comes out of this. All right. We'll leave it there and continue. I'm sure there will be more to discuss in the year ahead. We've been talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen. You can find EWTN News linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bunsen, really appreciate the time this morning. Thank you. Great to be with you, and let's uh, keep praying. Yes, absolutely. Continue to pray. All right. We are way late for news. It's 33 past the hour. It's time for news now. Pope Francis has repeated his call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. In his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father also called for Hamas to release Israelis holding its holding as hostages, and he called on the world to continue providing aid to the besieged Palestinian enclave of Gaza. In his appeal for a ceasefire, he said war is always a defeat. Meanwhile, President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are, F- are discussing efforts to locate and free the more than 220 hostages being held by Hamas. More from Mark Mayfield. The White House says the two leaders spoke during a call Sunday morning in which Biden stressed the need to significantly increase assistance to meet the needs of Palestinian civilians. The call came as Israeli forces expanded air, sea and ground attacks against Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy Father yesterday presided over the closing mass for this year's gathering of the Synod on Synodality. In his homily, the Pope reflected on our call to love. He said, quote, as disciples of Jesus, we desire to bring to the world a different type of leaven, that of the gospel. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com. 
SKPHA.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, October the 30th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Online at skpha.com. Going to want the jacket. It's rainy right now with temperatures in the upper 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, the rain will cease and clouds will slowly decrease, but it will be colder with a high today of 47 degrees. Mostly clear tonight with a hard freeze and an overnight low of 28. Partly cloudy with evening flurries possible tomorrow for Halloween trick-or-treating and a high of 45 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, some leftover rain this morning, then partly sunny this afternoon, a high of 46 Partly cloudy and clearing with a freeze likely tonight with an overnight low of 26. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high around 43. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Monday morning. Pardon me. A little froggy on a Monday. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin. He is the author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, and he has been going through the catechism with us, looking for various places where the church fathers are cited. And today we got one uh, that is actually a pretty famous citation, a pretty famous famous sentiment. It's from Tertullian. Father Gavin, good morning. Good morning. So everybody probably knows this quote in some capacity, but... Uh, well, first of all, where is Tertullian quoted, and then what is the quote? So the section we're looking at in the Catechism is uh, looking again at the Church's Catholicity, universality, and particularly under the perspective of mission, and beginning, of course, with the, the missionary mandate of our Lord in Matthew chapter 28, 19 to 20, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to look at the various ways the Church uh, fulfills that mission. And it inserts this uh, very famous quotation from Tertullian uh, in looking at the missionary paths of the Church, the ways in which uh, the Church evangelizes uh, to all peoples, all walks of life, and all times. So this is where uh, the quotation from Tertullian appears. All right, and it is? And it is. In the form here in the Catechism... I was glad, uh, I'm glad you're prefacing this this way, because this is going to be my next question. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the form here in the, in the Catechism, you will, you will find various formulations of this famous phrase, and with various degrees of accuracy... But uh, here it is. Um, I'll, maybe I should begin a little before it. Uh, we hear the mission of the church continues and in the course of history unfolds the mission of Christ who is sent to evangelize the poor. So the church, urged on by the Spirit of Christ, must walk the road of Christ himself walked, 
a way of poverty and obedience, of service and self-sacrifice, even to death, a death from which he emerged victorious by his resurrection. And here it is. It says, so it is that, quote, the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians, unquote. Tertullian. All right, so the, uh, the reason I, I want to kind of dig in on this is because uh, it's kind of like the, um, the play it again, Sam, from Casablanca misquote where the uh, mm-hmm. nobody actually says play it again Sam or like the <laughs> Luke, Luke I am your father never actually gets said in Star Wars uh, so right. uh, let's let's get to the root of, of, of what Tertullian is really saying and what's the best way to understand it sure well I, I do find it very interesting that it's placed here in the catechism in the missionary uh, context of the church but the original context for the quote uh, comes from Tertullian's uh, Apology, and again, just to, so that we remember uh, the an Apology and Apologia, yes, we use it today to say, I'm sorry. He's not writing a work saying, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. He's, if this is a defense of Christianity and Apologia, and uh, it's a genre of works uh, that exist even today, of course, but in this case, he's addressing the rulers of the Roman Empire. He's uh, making a defense of Christianity, uh, re- uh, rejecting the various charges that have been made against Christians, and then putting forward the good that Christians do. And this quote comes from the end of that work, and I'll read it in its full context, and uh, or at least part of its full context here. So again, he's addressing the rulers of the Roman Empire the officials, and he writes, The more often we are mown down by you, the more in number we Christians grow. The blood of Christians is seed. Many of your writers exhort to the courageous bearing of pain and death, as Cicero in the Tusculans and Seneca in the Chances and Diogenes, Pyrrhus, Callinicus, and yet their words do not find so many disciples as Christians do. Teachers not by words, but by their deeds. So we can hear it, it's, it's, much, it's much a shorter quote here. Uh, the blood of Christians is seed. Uh, the context is the witness that is given by Christians that uh, in both word and deed, uh, even though they're great philosophers, and others uh, preach this kind of standing up even in the face of death, it's the Christians who truly do this and in, in the in grounded in their faith in both word and deed in the way they live their lives. Uh, they stand up against the oppression to preach and uh, share what the the joy that they have received. And so, in that regard, their their blood is spread as seed in the world by the by the empire by those who persecute them. So this gives an entirely new and interesting flavor to this for a lot of us because. Normally, uh, well, certainly in the case of the catechism, but normally when someone says to me, in any context, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, it's one Christian saying it to another Christian as a way to encourage mm. another Christian in the face right. of the horrible things that we see. And, you know, for, for, for me, when I look around the world and see what's happening in, you know, uh, I think of Nigeria every day. I pray for Nigeria every day and what's mm. going on mm. there, um, uh, that the Lord would strengthen the faith and protect those families. But when you hear that Tertullian is saying it as kind of like a, uh, well, I don't know, standing up to the Roman, he's saying it directly to the people who are spreading the blood, <laughs> right? Yes. That, that gives yes. a whole different kind of flavor to this, this, this quote. 
Absolutely. And and to look at Tertullian's works, he was quite, I should say, that uh, he was really the first major Latin theologian, Latin writing theologian, uh, in North Africa at the end of the second and early third centuries. And he is a bold, bold writer, and sometimes maybe even too much so. I mean, but just the way he goes and uh, speaks out to the Roman Empire, even the, the, the very beginning of his apology, just, he just addressed them and says, here we are. But uh, yes, he's, he's putting forward the witness of the martyrs, those who give their lives by blood, uh, as opposed to what you see in the empire of, yeah, okay, fine, you have these great philosophies, but no one is ready to stand up and put their lives on the line for the truth and the joy that they've discovered in Christ. So my last question then you for you, Father Gavin, is did you pick this quote because All Saints Day is this week? Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's very fitting. Uh, of course, you know, many of the saints that we celebrate, of course, are martyrs, those who have shed their blood for the life of the Church, but I would also put forward, maybe I'm going to throw in another father for free here, um, another quote that really kind of spells this out for the, this feat or this solemnity. Uh, Clement of Alexandria wrote on martyrdom uh, this, If the confession of God is martyrdom, each soul which has lived purely the knowledge of God, which has obeyed the commandments, is a witness both by life and word, in whatever way it may be released from the body shedding faith as blood along its whole life till it depart, its departure. In other words, yes, we do speak about martyrs, especially the shedding of their, of their blood, and yet every Christian is called to be a martyr, a witness, in a Clement sense, shedding the blood day by day in living the faith. Taking These up the are the cross, things we celebrate. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. that word martyr, uh, you know, means witness. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. it's it's a powerful thing to think about as we celebrate all the holy men and women who have gone before us. And those the next day who have gone on and marked with the sign of faith and who hope to sleep, you know, and rest in peace in the mm-hmm. beatific vision ultimately. So thank you so much, Father John Gavin. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. God bless. All right. We're back again right after the break. It is a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is. And put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. 
And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Every morning, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. This is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Donna Murphy with Heaven's Gain Ministries, online at heavensgain.org. Donna, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Anna. I appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate you coming on. And we are, of course, coming to the end of October now, which is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Now, just for those who may not be familiar with Heaven's Gain, can you remind us of all the services you provide for families experiencing a miscarriage or stillbirth? Sure. Uh, At Heaven's Gain, our mission is to provide for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of those experiencing pregnancy loss, whether that be miscarriage, stillbirth, or early infant death. And we do this before, during, and after the actual delivery of the baby. So we will prepare people for the birth of their child, whether that's a miscarriage at home, a late miscarriage or stillbirth in the hospital, or if they're going to have a baby that isn't expected to live very long. We will prepare them for that experience. Uh, We will help them to create a birth plan Afterwards, we have um, caskets and urns that they can have, and we have um, free support services for those families because there's going to be a lot of grief and a lot of uh, things that they're going to need to work out in their life, and we want to help them on their grieving journey. Donna, can you talk about how you got into all of this? Yes. My husband and I, um, we lost three children um, at um, one in the first trimester and two in the second trimester. And we were not able to get the emotional support that we needed, nor were we able to find proper burial for any of those babies, our last one being eight inches long. We went to several funeral homes and to cemeteries, and no one would provide us with a casket. So we ended up just getting a chest in a store. And that's what um, our last baby is buried in. And unfortunately, that's the way it was. And most people didn't have any way to bury their child. But now we have in half the states in the United States, there are laws that give parents the rights to their baby's remains. And so they can bury their child. It's, It's up to the parents, no matter what the gestational age in half the states. So I was literally in tears as I was perusing your website earlier this morning. I mean, the caskets are just so little. And then I saw, Donna, that you provide with every casket a, a little hand crocheted blanket or or a little swaddle blanket for the baby. And I mean, 
I've never experienced a miscarriage and, and hope that I never will. And yet here I was in tears over this. And some people may be thinking, Donna, this is just too hard to deal with. It's too painful to do this. So how do you help people work through that? Well, I think it's really important that people realize, first of all, that they really did lose a baby, no matter what the gestation, you know, whether yeah. whether this baby is, is, you know, 10 weeks old or full term, um, they really did lose a baby and that they have the right to grieve. So when I talk to people on the phone, one of the first things I say is, I'm so sorry for the loss of your baby. And almost always people start crying and they say, no one has ever said that to me. And that's a problem in our society today because people aren't accepting that these babies who are lost due to miscarriage or stillbirth are real babies and that parents have the right to grieve. Yeah. And we have to we have to acknowledge that, first of all, so that they don't feel crazy, so that they feel like, yes, I really did lose a baby. I'm not going crazy that I'm sad. I'm not going crazy that I feel like I've lost this baby. And instead of, like, it making them sad, it actually makes them feel justified in their emotions and it allows them to to go through the grieving process and to heal and and our caskets allow people to be able to bury their baby respectfully with dignity and so they feel like they have in some way taken care of their child that's part of the prep we do by doing the birth plan also is to do different things that you can do to parent your child so even if your child is you know is born still, whether it be whatever gestational age, maybe there's a book you read to all of your kids. You can read a book to this child. Yeah, they're hearing it from heaven or whatever, but you're still reading a book. You're still parenting the child. You can, you know, wash your child's body off. You can give them a bath. You can do some parenting things for the few hours that you have with that child until you bury them. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to parent your child in some way to be able to sing them a song, read them a book, show them love in some way so that you have memories and mementos of your time with your child. And that's part of what the little blanket is about because when you wrap your baby in, in a little blanket, you can get, you know, automatically just like you when you take a shower, you get skin cells on your towel. Some skin cells will come off of that baby on that blanket. And in our hopes that our babies are in heaven, in my mind, it will become a secondhand relic. So beautiful. I mean, I was thinking about wrapping the baby and, and placing the baby in the casket in a blanket, just like tucking them in to their final resting place um, is just so important for a parent. And Donna, I, I hate to go here, but as you know quite well here in Ohio, there is a vote coming up on Election Day, a proposed amendment to the Ohio Constitution to enshrine abortion in in our state constitution. And that proposed amendment equates miscarriage care with abortion. And in fact, I've seen ads that that claim that if this amendment were to fail on Election Day, that women are at risk of losing miscarriage care. Uh, I'm wondering if you could just inform listeners, would anything that you do at Heaven's Gain change whether or not issue one passes on November 7th? Thank you for asking that question because this infuriates me. It makes me so mad. We have been doing this since 2008, before the heartbeat bill, during the heartbeat bill, 
since then, nothing will change. We will still be giving people the care that they need. Now, we don't give medical care at Heaven's Gain Ministries, but even when the heartbeat bill was passed, people were still getting the medication, the Cytotec that they need to expel the baby from them. So sometimes it takes a really long time for the baby to pass, and some people choose a medication that will expel the baby. This medication that they choose, that they would choose to take to help expel the baby, there's nothing morally wrong with it. The Cytotec is, is proper use is for miscarriage to he- or early stillbirth to help expel the baby, to help that placenta to release and for that baby to leave. The improper use is for abortion. So all, all this um, talk about the fact that you wouldn't get the medication that you need or you wouldn't get the care that you need for miscarriage is just a lie. And it's, it's so hurtful to me that people are going to think, oh, no, heaven's game won't exist. I won't be able to get the help that I need. That's not true. We're not going anywhere. We'll be there for everybody, no matter what happens with this. Yeah, sure, we, we hope that this amendment doesn't pass, but no matter what happens, we will still be there for anybody who has miscarriage or stillbirth. Heavensgain.org is the website to visit to learn more about what Donna Murphy does at Heaven's Gain. And that was an interview that I recorded with Donna last week. And we've got a little clip of that last soundbite from her about issue one in Ohio, particularly our Ohio listeners. Head over to our Facebook page and you can grab that video and share it because I know a lot of ads have been saying miscarriage care would be threatened if issue one is defeated. So go check that out at our Facebook page through sonrisemorningshow.com. We got another hour coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts, for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. On a mission to love.com. That's on a mission to love.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. 
It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. The ceremony is Saturday, October 28th, 2 p.m. at the Veterans Garden at 11,000 Montgomery Road and will feature keynote speakers, presentation of service pins to veterans, and a rosary following the ceremony. Please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families. More information at gateofheaven.org slash events. I am Father Rufino Ezama, the Provincial Superior of the Comboni Missionaries. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Hallows Eve, Eve, Monday, the 30th of October. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want to pray especially for all of you who had a lousy night's sleep through the intercession of St. Peter Damien, patron of insomniacs. St. Peter Damien, you were an insomniac for a long period of time. You understand how difficult it is to function after a sleepless night, how hard it is to be kind, understanding, and loving when you are exhausted. How frustrating it is to be tired and unable to do your best. Please intercede for us before the throne of God and ask that if it be his will, we may be able to sleep at night and no longer suffer from insomnia. If it is not God's will at this time, we ask for the grace to use any sleepless hours as a time of prayer, offering that sleeplessness for the souls who most need God's love and mercy. Amen. St. Peter Damien. Pray for us. And if you were up all night and liked that prayer and want to use it, feel free to go to sunrisemorningshow.com. I put it in the show notes this morning. Mondays can be hard. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got our video feed up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com if you want to uh, watch a live stream of our program today. Up this hour, we're going to talk to Teresa Tamio. And uh, she, of course, is from EWTN and Ave Maria, Radio, Maria Radio's co-production, uh, Catholic Connection. We'll check in with Marlon De La Torre. We'll also talk to Damien O'Connor from Knights of Columbus. And then Stephanie Mann will discuss Blessed John Slade as we continue our series with her on English Martyrs and Confessors. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have discussed efforts to free hostages held by Hamas while stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. The White House says the two leaders spoke during a call yesterday morning in which Biden stressed the need to significantly increase assistance to meet the needs of Palestinian civilians. The call comes as Israeli forces expanded air, sea and ground operations against Hamas. Israel's military said 
Its fighter jets struck more than 450 Hamas targets in Gaza since Saturday. Pope Francis has repeated his call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Cesate il fuoco. Cesate il fuoco. Cease fire. Cease fire. Pope Francis made this imploration during his Sunday Angelus as he asked the faithful gathered to continue to pray for peace in the Holy Land. Recalling the day of prayer and penance for world peace, which took place in St. Peter's Square on Friday the 27th of October, Pope Francis thanked all those who participated and urged them not to give up. As we continue to pray for Ukraine, he said, we must also pray for the very serious situation in Palestine and Israel. A Gaza, in particolare, si lasciano spazi per garantire gli aiuti umanitari. In Gaza, in particular, let there be room to guarantee humanitarian aid and let the hostages be released immediately, urged the Pope, stressing that nobody should abandon the possibility of completely laying down all weapons. He recalled Father Ibrahim Faltas, the vicar of the custody of the Holy Land, who, when speaking on Italian television, called for a ceasefire. We too, with Father Ibrahim, say, cease fire, said the Pope. Stop, brothers and sisters. War is always a defeat. Always, always. I'm Francesca Merlo. The Holy Father yesterday presided over the closing Mass for this year's gathering at the Synod on Synodality. In his homily, he reflected on our call to love. He said, quote, as disciples of Jesus, we desire to bring to the world a different type of leaven, that of the gospel, to put God in first place and together with him, those whom he especially loves, the poor and the weak, end quote. Meanwhile, delegates at the Synod Assembly have approved the final report for this year's gathering. The National Catholic Register reports the document was approved paragraph by paragraph with two-thirds of the 344 participants needing to vote in favor of including it. The summary report calls for greater co-responsibility in the church and proposes global synodal assemblies for decision-making in the church. There's word that police in Maine were sent to check on the man who killed 18 people in a mass shooting just weeks before it happened, multiple reports indicate the Maine National Guard asked local police to check on Robert Card after a soldier felt he may, quote, snap and commit a mass shooting, end quote. Officers tried to contact Card on September 16th, a little over a month before the incident took place. Card was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound on Friday night. The judge overseeing former President Trump's January 6th case is reinstating a partial gag order imposed on him. Mark Mayfield has more. The limited gag order was temporarily stopped earlier this month with the judge denying the former president's request to pause the order while his appeal plays out. The order denies Trump from making certain statements about both the special counsel team or potential witnesses. I'm Mark Mayfield. The United Auto Workers Union is expanding its strike against General Motors. Shortly after the union announced a tentative deal with Stellantis on Saturday, the UAW said it will order workers to walk out of GM's Spring Hill assembly plant in Tennessee. The plant employs nearly 4,000 workers. The Diamondbacks will be hosting their first World Series game since 2001. Tonight, the D-backs and the Rangers will meet in Game 3 of the Fall Classic in Phoenix. The best of seven series is all tied up 
at one game apiece after the teams split the first two games in Texas. And the cost of Halloween candy is apparently up 13 percent this year. That, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and a UCLA supply chain expert, candy is more expensive due to the rising cost of ingredients and labor. The average U.S. household is expected to spend about $35 on Halloween candy this year. That's up from $30 in years past. Okay, I'm just I bought to... my Halloween candy along with other groceries, so I didn't really pay attention. You didn't but I think it I out. I think maybe I spent about twenty five dollars on a couple I haven't of bought any bags. Yet, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to track this. Well, you're probably gonna have it way lower then because there's only gonna be like dumb 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 uh, suckers. Dumb dumbs left. Hang out, dumb dumbs and smarties. Just put them in a bowl in the front and see as a social experiment who picks what. Who picks what? See what you have left over. See that guy. That kid picked a dumb dumb. That well, kid picked a smarty. Well, what uh. if what if the first kid just dumps the whole bowl in his bag and then leaves? Uh, I don't know how to handle. Did you think about that? Will you think that a bunch of kids just picked whatever they wanted, or will you Maybe realize... Maybe you don't realize this. I didn't grow up doing trick-or-treating or I Halloween. know. You, like, hid in the basement, right? Yeah. So, like, this is all... I did carve a sweet pumpkin. Did you? We went with the Legend of Zelda theme this year. Ooh. I did a pretty good job. I posted it on Twitter if you want to check it out. Oh, okay. I will. I'll look it over. We've done some good pumpkins over the years. Nice. Nice. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's, Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. I cannot say the name of your radio station this morning for the life of me, Teresa. I am so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We all have our moments, right? Are you in Italy right now? Yeah, so we're still here. We've got another pilgrimage coming up on Friday. We have the La Dolce Day, the Sweetness of Faith pilgrimage. And, of course, Wine and Shrine ended last week, so that's why... Deacon Dom and I are staying around, um, supposed to going back and forth over the pond, which can be exhausting. But still doing the show, so I'll be on, uh, God willing, in about an hour of uh, Catholic right. Connection Sounds and good. then the um, national hour as well. But I wanted to kind of just, that I was telling Paul, your wonderful producer, you know, to encourage people, being that we have All Saints Day and All Souls Day coming up, but to really take those saints off the shelves and kind of dive into their lives, especially on the topic of fear and worry. You and I were talking about this, if you remember, before the Synod on Sinmality began, what, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, and how many people were fearful as to what was going to happen, what was going to come out of it. And, you know, not to be fearful, especially with the first word reading today, we were reminded uh, that God did not give us the spirit of fear. And the saints are such great examples of people that, even if they were fearful, they were able to overcome it through their great faith. So I just thought it'd be kind of a cool time to revisit some of our favorite saints. Well, I mean, this is the week for it. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. got to be kind of surreal. I don't know if you've ever been in Italy for this part of the year, um, but I imagine that they don't do, well, I mean, here in the United States of America, we do Halloween starting in, like, June. You know, it gets a little bit wild, uh, you know, and everybody kind of mm-hmm. focuses in on that. It's part of probably our, you know, mix of being an American Protestant country full of people who used to be Protestant and rebelling against their fundamentalist parents. And so Halloween's like a big thing, right? But in Italy... Mm-hmm. I mean, Italy never, like, quit the All Saints thing, <laughs> you know, the way that, you know, America's not been like a country that does All Saints as a culture. You know, that's not how we have done things in our sort of national history. 
Well, it's a big holiday here, and I'm looking forward to it. This will be the first time we've actually been here on that particular day. I don't know if we've actually been here for All Saints and All Souls Day. but You get to do All Saints uh, Day in a place where there's, like, tons of bodies and relics of actual saints. I know. That's pretty sweet. I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. And where we're staying, we're not that far from uh, the St. Francis and St. Clair and, of course, St. Rita and Blessed Carlo Cusis. There's so many around, but... Again, they're all such great and cool examples. And Halloween is not that big of a deal here. There are some Halloween parties, and they sell, you know, they don't really do trick or treating. They do events and just parties, and little hamlets and little towns have parties, but it's not like the craziness that we see in the United States where it's just so scary in some places. I think Annie and I both did the story last week about how there are some towns now that are determining you can only have certain things outside because it's so traumatic for kids, you know, with the, with the ugly goblins and, you know, like a Dawn of the Dead, all that kind of stuff. So here it's much different, and especially in the smaller towns and the villages and in the on the outskirts, like in Umbria or Tuscany, it's much quieter, but the bells are going, and, and it's, a big, it's a big feast day, not only in the church, but it's a big holiday for the country. So there's a much bigger emphasis on the saints here in Italy than there is in the United States. Well, and the souls too. Let's not forget that this is a yeah. this is a mm-hmm. big week all the way around because we get to talk about all the people who are on the road to heaven because the saints are those you know who known and unknown are there and then the very next day we're praying for all the people who are you know have you know died marked with the sign of faith, right? But who are in the right. purification process in purgatory. I mean, this is a big this is mm-hmm. this is a chance for us the church militant to celebrate the church triumphant and pray for the church suffering. I mean, we get all three pieces on full display this week. Yeah, we do, and I think sometimes we, we forget that. I mean, obviously we know we have to, we have a holy day of obligation, so we have to go to Mass. But I think beyond that, do we really see what the Church is offering us in, in order to come together, as you said, Matt, in prayer? I just think it's a really cool thing that we have. And, and to think about why the Church is setting these days aside and why they're so important. And I know I just I love reading about the lives of the saints, and I read them, and I think, oh, my gosh, I'm such a wimp in comparison. You know, I mean, aren't we all, if you look at some of the, the courageous things these saints have done, and someone like a Carlo Acutis who, you know, lost his life to leukemia at such a young age and yet didn't waste a moment of it. Every, every moment he could, he was with Jesus in the Eucharist. He was praying the rosary, or he was working on putting together Eucharistic miracles online so more of us could, could benefit from from the gift that we have in the church. So, yeah, look at your favorite saint. Maybe try to discover new ones, and then always, always pray for the souls in purgatory. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a great week all the way around. But since Anna Mitchell yep. did this as the kicker coming in on Halloween candy, if you were to be home and in Michigan this week, what would you be passing out? Anything? Celery yeah, oh, sticks, yeah, we have a ton of people. Of, of carrot kids. sticks. Um, no, not celery sticks. No. That's Toothbrushes. No fun. <laughs> no. Probably chocolate. I think Mounds bars, Twix bars, and little bags of munchies. Like, they're they're nicely contained, like potato chips or pretzels sure. or things like that, or goldfish. Kids always love that, and they get stick in their lunch. But I used to love the Mounds bars when I was a yeah, kid. Those, those are, are good. Those are classic. The almond and then joys. I love <sighs> the Almond Joy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Or Cheez-Its, my favorite snack in the world, Cheez-Its, those little bags of Cheez-Its. Terrific. Have you ever had, and Deacon Graham Galloway harasses me every time I bring this up, have you ever had like the hot sauce-flavored Cheez-Its, like the Tabasco-flavored Cheez-Its? I've had the Tabasco-flavored Cheez-Its, yeah. I love, I love spicy stuff, so they're really good. But Cheez-Its in any form, to me, is like the best snack in the world. All right. Well, good stuff. Well, I, I, when, the, when the bag extra comes back toasty. home. Yeah, Annie Mitchell's an extra toasty Cheez-Its person. Um, but. Uh, when the bag comes home, I go straight for the Reese's. I'm not going to lie. I'm a man of simple pleasures and simple tastes when it comes to the candy bag coming home. So uh, That's the Reese's, good, too, though. The peanut the butter and chocolate. Yum. 
All right. Well, Teresa, we are grateful for you. While you're there, like in person with Francis and Claire and Carlo and all these incredible saints, uh, please do say a prayer for our Sunrise Morning Show family uh, in front of the mortal remains of these men and women who we celebrate uh, for having gotten to where we want to get. So thank you. Always, always pray for all of our affiliates and all of our hosts and also for our listeners. And if anyone has any prayer requests, again, as we did with Wine and Shrine, please email them and we offer those up at every Mass during the prayers of the faithful. So we'd love to pray for people out there. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. And we'll be tuning in to Ave Maria Radio's, I got it right that time, Catholic Connection, which they co-produce with EWTN. (laughs) Have a great day. Ciao. Bona giornata. Bye. All right. We're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Are you prepared to vote? Citizens have co-responsibility for society. This duty especially obliges those in a democracy who must elect representatives to run the state on their behalf. Learn more so you're prepared when you vote this November. Visit EWTN.com slash vote for everything Catholic voters need to know before picking up a ballot. Seventeen pastors, Anna with headlines. President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have discussed efforts to free hostages held by Hamas and also stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. Pope Francis repeated his call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas during his general audience yesterday. The Holy Father also yesterday presided over the closing mass for this year's gathering of the Synod on Synodality. And in case you missed uh, the great breakdown of that uh, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen last hour, I encourage you to go check out the podcast, mm-hmm. sunrisemorningshow.com. Those things are always kind of relinked. And you can also go back and um, actually, while we're doing the, the YouTube thingy, you can scroll back. Yeah, you, know, you can rewind and, and on rewind YouTube. It. Yeah, which you uh, can't do with a, an audio live stream. You can't stream. do with audio live stream. Those post after the fact. But again, those are linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I embed the videos in the show notes these days, mm-hmm. Anna Mitchell, so people can get to them. But Don't I forget think it's to important. subscribe while you're yeah, at it. Subscribe yeah. while you're at it. Uh, but 
I do think it's important to remember. I think part of the confusion is that they called this like a synod, which makes it sound a lot more definitive than it is. Like that mm-hmm. sounds like an like an official church word, like a a synod. They must be like deciding stuff. Yeah. Like a council or something. They should have just called it like a. I mean, there can be decisions that come out of it. I mean, of course. the Pope has magisterial authority. It doesn't, you know, rank as high as other things. But they call, should have called it like a rap session on rap sessionality or something like that. Then people would have been less uh, confused about what it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know me, Anna Mitchell. I'm just glad it's you and not me that's got to, you know, handle like the news side of this yeah. because as soon as the jargon words come out, I'm like asleep within 45 seconds. Yeah. And so. I mean, one thing about this is that, and I've tried to repeat this as much as possible, is that the the Senate participants kept talking about trusting the spirit. And I think they there were some that were trying to use that as some sort of way to get people ready for some sort of change in church teaching and it's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit is not going to change church teaching at this stage in the game. I mean, it's like how many thousands of years have we been? A couple. Yeah. And it's like the Holy Spirit doesn't, God doesn't change his mind. Now, this again, is, you know, we the, sometimes we think that if we're going to pray enough that we can somehow change God's mind on something. That's not how it works. It's to conform ourselves to him. We conform the, ourselves uh, to the will of God. That's the exactly. Well, and I mean, there, there, there are a hundred things that could be said here as time runs out. But uh, at the end of the day, people want to be listened to. They want to know that we thought these things through. Right. That we didn't just come about them arbitrarily. And hopefully that's the fruit. Right. Exactly. We're like, yeah, we didn't just come at this out of the blue. We're teaching this for a reason. We're walking toward Christ together. It's 21 past. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. 
proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from knowingisdoing.org. He joins us from the Diocese of Columbus, where they listen on St. Gabriel Radio. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. So you've written uh, recently about uh, the exceptionality of Jesus Christ and, and looking specifically at uh, Peter and how he preached it. Uh, why did you mm-hmm. decide that you wanted to focus on uh, kind of the, the preaching style of Peter once he got the Holy Spirit? Okay, great question. You know, it's uh, scripture. The Word of God is is, is such a, a beautiful, beautiful exposition of the faith. I mean, it is, it is our Lord speaking to us directly. It's Him just literally wanting to show us uh, who He is and how the events of this life occurred, and really understanding our Lord and awaiting our response of faith. And so uh, this particular passage from Acts, uh, if we take the time to break it down, look at Peter's definitive, uh, I guess, position and how he responds to the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, and how he's leading the men of of, of Judea, I mean, both Jew and Gentile alike, uh, on this uh, particular journey or course. And the, the distinction here is that he begins to uh, just unwrap for them what they've just received, even though they may not fully be aware of what just happened. And so the, this post-Pentecostal event is, is very significant because it, it, it leads to the, the basic message of the charisma or the content of conversion. And he takes the time to really tell them, look, this is what just happened. Here's how you are to live your life. Here are the events concerning how you will progress and move forward. It's a very powerful introduction to how to um, talk about the the reality of of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the reality of the gift of faith, and our part in it. And so it's a very beautiful, distinctive event. It it lays down, I believe, uh, in many respects, a structure or framework on how we are to just speak of Christ and communicate uh, about Him and really uh, look at the just the, the great majesty and wonder of who He is and what our response is to that great Paschal event. Well, it is uh, a fascinating thing to look at how just straightforward Peter is yeah. uh, in telling people what to what to do. Now, it, there's you know these are people who have been prepared by you know all of Jewish history and they have kind of like yeah. a little bit of context, right? Because obviously yeah. they're there for Pentecost. Um, but he tells them, you know, what, what they need to do. Uh, what's fascinating to me is that, uh, I've, you know, like I say, went to a lot of evangelical services growing up yeah. and the, uh, the payoff at the end at a Billy Graham ra- uh, crusade, right. Or, a, yeah, yeah. you know, a revival in one of my churches would be like, all right, uh, you know, if this is, you know, moving you, if the Lord's speaking to you, you know, mm-hmm. I need you to, to kneel at this, you know, uh, you know, pew rail down front. Yeah. And uh, ask Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, and that's a good thing yeah. to do, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What I never would have heard and never remember hearing uh, as the uh, you know climax of any of those sermons is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in yeah. the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I've talked to some friends who've been pastors over the years. I'm like, did you ever close a service by saying that? And they're like, no. 
Nope. And yet this is Peter's first big sermon. Correct. And the, the beauty of it is he's, he's asking all of us, look, remove your impediments. Remove those things that will prevent you from knowing him, seeing him, and, and living out uh, just a particular life in Christ. And so repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, all in that order. Uh, he's very well aware that uh, th- these beautiful disciples need to follow the structure in order to see him, in order to literally proclaim his name. And it- it- it's a beautiful thing of how you weave in this this beauty of experience, uh, the experience of the event, and it- this is what we're to do with it in fidelity. I had mean, I- gone to multiple revivals when I was younger, uh, Protestant revivals with friends and what have you out in California, and uh, very similar. All right, go proclaim but what about this issue about removing any type of sin or proclaiming the gospel without any any issues? That that was never part of that structure. And so this is phenomenal to see Peter just lay this out for us very beautifully. And we see the catechism really backing this up as well because we're called to be children of God. And to be children of God, we are called to really uh, espouse to the beautiful Paschal event and uh, to go forth and really seek this a divine accommodation, if you will, of uh, allowing God to be part of our life and really being of a sacrificial nature, speak well of him. You know, it's funny because, you know, in the Wesleyan holiness movement that I grew up in, they very much were talking about getting rid of your sins, man. (laughs) Get them out of here. Like, here's here's how you got to live moving forward. We were not from the once saved, always saved group. But baptism, the baptism part of that was like this optional thing that we did like every few months on a Sunday night in the old (laughs) sanctuary, right? It was just, you know, it's just a... The fact that Peter puts all these things together in that first big mm-hmm. sermon, uh, I mean, this mm-hmm. really is sort of the model um, for uh, for what we should be calling people to do and and recognizing that there are people who are cut to the heart and they're, they're asking yeah. what the next step is and, and how do we hear what someone's asking for when they're looking for that next step. Um, but Marlon, if our listeners want to connect with you, they want to maybe read this article and get some of your thoughts uh, further on it. How do they do so? Uh, they can look it up at knowingisdoing.org. All right, which is linked, as always, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Marlon. Have a great day. You too, Matt. Go Bucks. And while you're at sunrisemorningshow.com, please do consider subscribing by putting in your email address there. You can get the show notes delivered to your inbox daily. That means that you can get not only links to the people that we talk to, but you can also find a link to watch our YouTube live stream. You can also get the occasional Rita Heikenfeld recipe. And of course, the prayers that we use at the top of each hour. Put a mix of things in those show notes. Uh, but you can go to sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, if you feel so led, we are listener supported. You can hit that donate button. And we always encourage you support the local Catholic radio station in your backyard. As the end of the year is coming to a close, they, us, and EWTN uh, would love your tax-deductible support as you're making those end-of-year gift decisions. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has repeated his call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father also called for Hamas to release Israelis it's holding as hostages and called on the world to continue providing aid to the besieged Palestinian enclave of Gaza in an emotional appeal for a ceasefire. The Holy Father said war is always a defeat. Meanwhile, President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have discussed efforts to locate and free the more than 220 hostages 
while stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid to civilians in Gaza. More from Mark Mayfield. The White House says the two leaders spoke during a call Sunday morning in which Biden stressed the need to significantly increase assistance to meet the needs of Palestinian civilians. The call came as Israeli forces expanded air, sea and ground attacks against Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Delegates at the Senate Assembly have approved the final document for this year's assembly. The National Catholic Register reports the document was approved paragraph by paragraph with two-thirds of the 344 participants needed to vote in favor of including it. The summary report calls for greater co-responsibility in the church and proposes global synodal assemblies for decision-making in the church. The Holy Father yesterday presided over the closing mass for this year's gathering of the Synod. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The celebration in St. Peter's Basilica marked the culmination of this first session of the Synod on synodality, looking at communion, participation, and mission. Reflecting on the day's gospel reading when a doctor of the law tests Jesus by asking him which commandment in the law is greatest, the Pope said this important and enduring question can arise in our own hearts and the life of the church. And the Lord's answer that we should love God with our whole life and love our neighbor as ourselves points to the heart of everything, he said, and how everything can begin anew. Amare. Amare Dio con tutta la vita e amare il prossimo come se stessi. In fact, love invites adoration, he observed, as a response to God's gratuitous and astonishing love. And to adore God means to acknowledge in faith that he alone is Lord and that our individual lives, the church's pilgrim wave, and the ultimate outcome of history all depend on the tenderness of his love. Secondo verbo è servire. Amare e servire. The second great commandment, the Pope said, regards loving our neighbor as ourselves. And he said to adore God and to love our brothers and sisters with his love, that is the great and perennial reform. In conclusion, the Pope said the Lord will guide us and help us to be a more synodal and missionary church, a church that adores God and serves the women and men of our time, going forth to bring to everyone the consoling joy of the gospel. And that is Jones. There's word that police in Maine were sent to check on the man who killed 18 people in a mass shooting just weeks before it happened. Multiple reports indicate the Maine National Guard asked local police to check on Robert Card after a soldier felt he may, quote, snap and commit a mass shooting. Officers tried to contact Card on September 16th. That's a little over a month before the shooting took place. Card was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound Friday night. Meanwhile, the Bishop of Portland, Maine, expressed his grief in the wake of the shooting. Bishop Robert Daly released a statement last week offering his prayers for the victims and their families and said, quote, While it may seem impossible to find hope in a time such as this, we can draw hope from our spiritual roots, trusting that a loving God will not abandon us. He said, As we pray to him in our various ways, may he strengthen us and show us the way forward during the difficult days that lie ahead. End quote. The Holy See revealed late last week that Pope Francis has officially lifted the statute of limitations in the Father Marco Rupnik case. Rupnik, whose art is well known in the Catholic world, was expelled from the Jesuits this summer after being accused of abuse by some consecrated women who worked with him. News came earlier in the week that he had incarnated in a diocese in Slovenia, 
leading to much questioning of how this was allowed. The Jesuits had said last year that the Vatican would not pursue canonical charges against Rupnik because of the statute of limitations. The Holy See has said the case is now under review. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 past the hour. If you would like to write to Sacred Heart Radio, our address is Sacred Heart Radio, 100 East 8th Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45202. Our phone number is 513-731-7740. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, October the 30th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to want the jacket. It's rainy right now with temperatures in the upper 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, the rain will cease and clouds will slowly decrease, but it will be colder with a high today of 47 degrees. Mostly clear tonight with a hard freeze and an overnight low of 28. Partly cloudy with evening flurries possible tomorrow for Halloween trick-or-treating and a high of 45 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, some leftover rain this morning, then partly sunny this afternoon, a high of 46. Partly cloudy and clearing with a freeze likely tonight with an overnight low of 26. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high around 43. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Eve tomorrow is Halloween, the Eve of All Saints. And then we've got a holy day of obligation on Wednesday. Don't forget, mark your calendars now. Figure out a way to get to Mass. Rearrange the schedule around it. Because otherwise, if you you don't do that on a Monday... If you not rearrange schedule, schedule rearrange you. This is how things work. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Damian O'Connor, the Knights of Columbus Vice President of Evangelization and Faith Formation. Damian, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. So, Into the Breach, the mission of the family being promoted and uh, facilitated by the Knights of Columbus. If people aren't familiar with this Into the Breach language, if you could kind of catch us up to where we are today on this. Sure, absolutely. Uh, the Into the Breach is actually the title of Bishop Olmsted's Apostolic Exhortation, uh, same title, Into the Breach, and it was really to help men to start living uh, their faith and to take ownership of that. Uh, and so we had created a series on that, and it was quite successful. And then we really felt that God was calling us to create the second series under the same brand, but now the mission of the family. Uh, and we, we hope uh, that it really helps countless people. Well, this is the you know 
domestic church. Uh, you're also mm-hmm. looking at the sort of individual cell of society. Uh, you know, it's so important for so many reasons, uh, and this is something that um, that the Catholic Church holds to uniquely. Uh, even many of our Christian brothers and sisters from other traditions, when they would say, like, what's the individual you know, kind of cell of society, they'd say, like, me and my relationship with Jesus. But the church always wants mm-hmm. this to be seen in the context of a family, like you grow in a family, the church is a family. I mean, how do you try and bring some of these things about in the course of this video series? Well, we we're, we really hope that it proclaims the, the truth and beauty of, of the Catholic vision of, of family life. And and we do hope that it inspires uh, people to, to try to live that. But I really think it comes down to one word, and that's intentionality. We have to be intentional about how we live our sacramental marriage. We have to be intentional about our prayer life as a couple and as a family. And I think we've kind of lost that. And so the series tries to bring people back to the basics. And I think a lot of people aren't very clear at all uh, about what the Catholic vision of marriage is or what God's called us to, but they want to have successful marriages. And I think we need to help people understand how to do that. Well, they and you addressed this other side of that in a video you do called The Catholic Family in a Post-Christian World. There are people who've mm-hmm. never experienced that, and they want that, but they don't know that that's what they want, right? You've got that that world of people. Then you've got all the people kind of from my Gen X world who had mm-hmm. bad experiences of family, and they're like, well, I'm never getting married, and I'm never becoming a jerk like my dad was a jerk. You know, I'm not bringing sure. children into this world and all this other stuff. So, I mean, how do we have this conversation in a world with people who have either never experienced family or had such a bad experience of family that they never want to have one? That's such a great question. I thank you for asking that. I think we get frustrated, maybe myself included, with others that aren't seeing the, what, the true, what a true sacramental marriage is. And so then we might want to attack and say how you're living your life wrong. But I think we have to get back to the basics again and just model Christ in the Gospels. It's really come and see. Because if you don't have a sacramental marriage, if you're not putting Christ at the center of your marriage and of your family, not to be sarcastic, Matt, but my question is, how's that working out for you? Because I can't possibly have the joy that I have in my marriage and my family now, despite all the struggles, without Christ being the center. But we ha- it's a come-and-see model, Matt. We have to help people to see another way, because they might not have been taught that, or maybe they've seen really bad examples, as you said. Or, uh, like I say, they they just have such a cynical um, view of, of all of it, cynical view of relationships, don't feel like uh, anything is long-term in this world, or maybe they look around and see all the horrible things going on with the economy or with Israel and Gaza. Like, why would I bring a child into this? But ultimately, the there are a few different things that happen when you you know get married and have a family. One is that you're like, I'm going to stand and commit myself to something good or bad. Uh, there's not many things in this world that call you to try and do that, <laughs> right? There are most That's most correct. things that most relationships you're in you're like, well, this is a bad deal. I'm out. I'm switching my insurance company. I'm shopping at a different grocery store. And then the th- the thing about having children is like you're saying, I choose to have hope, right? And there's not many things in this world that make you make that kind of commitment to hope like having kids will. That's exactly right. And you know, I can't help but bring this up, and it's something I've said in recent talks that I've given, especially to our guys in the Knights of Columbus. And my question is, again, not to be sarcastic, but when did Jesus stop being enough? It's amazing how we worry about all these other things, and it's, it's from the evil one, distracting us, keeping us away from him. And yet I think Christ is so simple 
And he's just calling us. He's saying, come to me. Just come to me, and I will take care of you. Make me the center of your lives. But somewhere along the way, secular society taught us, well, Jesus isn't enough. We have to worry about all these other things. And I think that's the evil one distracting us from what we, our primary focus, which should be Christ. Well, you've got Into the Breach resources. You've got videos. Um, uh, you, you have, if you go to uh, your website, uh, access to this original Into the Breach project plus the family one. I mean, what will people find when they go there? They will find uh, all the videos. So for the Mission of the Family series, there's five videos and a sixth if you count the trailer. Uh, they're about 12 minutes long each. Uh, they're free. They're downloadable if you'd like. And there's also a study guide. Because you, you can only get so much into a particular topic in about 12 minutes. So the study guide is to help you or more likely a group of people to come together and really go deeper into these different topics. And we hope the topics are very relatable and, not, and very down-to-earth and real for what couples experience and families do uh, every day. Well, and I'm assuming that the only reason that the Knights of Columbus put this out is because the people organizing it all come from perfect families with perfect marriages and perfectly well-behaved children, right? I mean, that's why you <laughs> felt you equipped Quite to put opposite. this series together, right? Quite the opposite, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about saying, here's reality, here's what you're going to be uh, dealing with in society. We've all failed a million times, but there is a vision, there is a better way, and so... Yeah, it's because of the mistakes we've made that we're trying to actually show up a, a better way. But uh, thank you for assuming that we're better than we actually are. Well, the only person in this world who's got a perfect family is Anna Mitchell, and she's rolling her eyes as I say this. Uh, but <laughs> no, I mean none of it. This is, we're all. This is there's only one holy family that I know of, and there's a statue of them outside of my church. So like, that's, right. that's the that's the ideal. We got. We got what we got. We're doing our best. We're doing this together. And we're not meant to do this, your family, in isolation from other families either. I mean, families are supposed to be together as families. I mean, this is why God put us in a church as opposed to setting us on an island with the Bible. Amen. That's exactly right. We, for, we forget that, it, it, that we don't have to do this alone, and we're not meant to do this alone. Christ is our center. And then to be also intentionally being with other Catholic families that are striving their best to, to live their faith as well. But we have to remember that we can't do it alone. You're right. All right. Well, if listeners want to connect with these resources, the end of the breach, the mission of the family is, of course, the one we've been talking about today. Damien O'Connor, remind us how we can do so. Sure. Kofc.org forward slash mission of the family. All right. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over and check those things out. It's great stuff from the Knights of Columbus trying to build stronger families. Uh, to you know, live in the life of the church and go and shape the world for the gospel. Damien, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Take care. God bless. All right. Stephanie Mann joins us next with more stories from the English Martyrs. It's a quarter till. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Kuharski, director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. 
Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Dive deeper into your faith as renowned speakers examine pressing issues facing Catholics today. EWTN takes you to Napa, California for a special two-day event. Oh, God has his way. God has his providence. The whole point of the Christian life is love. Love of God and the love of everybody. The annual Napa Institute Conference, beginning Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN-TV. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell tonight on The Journey Home. Kevin Schenkel, who is our PR guy who helps us book stuff from the Seton Shrine and some other things. Oh, yeah. He's going to be on the show. Nice. And uh, his background is journalism, so you get to hear how someone from your noble profession use their journalistic instincts to seek truth on a very personal level and come home to the Catholic Church. Very cool. It's going to be fun. Nice. What are the headlines? Pope Francis has repeated his call for a ceasefire between Hamas and Israel. He did so during his Angelus address yesterday. Meanwhile, President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday discussed efforts to locate and free those hostages held by Hamas and also stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. And delegates at the Synod on Synodality have approved their final report for this year's gathering. Of course, we have a whole other year coming up in this whole synodal process. So that story continues. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. And back with us now is Stephanie Mann. You can read her blog supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com and we are continuing our series on Father Henry Sebastian Bowden's Mementos of the English Murders and Confessors, which you can get through Sophia Institute Press. Stephanie, welcome back. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you. And today we are going to be looking at the story of another martyr, Blessed John Slade, who was hanged, drawn, and quartered on October 30th, yes. 1583, during the reign of Elizabeth I. Now, we've yes. talked about plenty of men who left England in order to study for the priesthood in France and then come back to England. But that mm-hmm. was not the case with John Slade. Right. Tell us his story. 
No. Well, he wanted to, he was at the University of Oxford and he had remained true to his Catholic faith. So he was told to leave. It, you couldn't study there. You could matriculate there or study there without taking the oath to the Queen's supremacy. So he left mm. and he went to Douay and studied in the civil and canon law. And so he wanted to be a lawyer. But even after doing that, when he returned to England, he couldn't serve as a lawyer because, again, you'd have to take the oath of supremacy, uh, acknowledging Queen Elizabeth I as the as the supreme governor of the church in England. And so he couldn't do that. So he became a schoolmaster. So you're right. It is kind of that same pattern to to uh, pursue his vocation because he felt a calling to be a, a lawyer both in civil and canon law, church law, he had to leave his country. And then when he came back, he couldn't serve the, his mm. people uh, as a lawyer because of this restriction on the, loyal, the loyalty you had to proclaim to the queen as the supreme governor of the Church of England with really ecclesiastical authority. I mean, not, not the... Not the Archbishop of Canterbury having the lead, but the Queen having the lead in, or the monarch in general, having the lead in the what the church taught and how it taught it. And so that's that's his, uh, the great issue that he faced was, who do I be loyal to? Am I loyal to Christ and his church, or am I loyal to my Queen? And this prescription created a great Tension for well for any Catholic in, in this era, but particularly for someone who wanted to serve as a lawyer and and uh, and you know administ help administer the law, and so he couldn't do it uh, in that uh, context. Well, and man, you can tell that he studied at Duhay based on uh, yes. the the answers that he gave at his execution. Can you talk yes. about? the witness that that he provided even though the crowds were against him right well first they they asked him again of course he'd been already found guilty of this so i guess it's kind of like why are you doing this right. at the moment before he's going to be executed in such a horrible way you know why he could de deny the supremacy of of the queen and he says well it's clear that from the scripture that that peter the first pope received this authority from Jesus, and it has been handed down through the years. He, and I love this line, therefore we must not give those things belonging to God to any other than him alone. Yeah. He's, so he's saying God has ordained that, that the pope would be the, the vicar of Christ on earth, not Queen Elizabeth I. And so he says, this also is beautiful, bringing up Maccabees, he says that he, like the, the uh, women and the uh, the three women, the three children in the oven and the, the widow of seven sons, I will, I'm ready to die rather to transgress the laws of God because they've been received from our fathers, the tradition that's been handed down. And, and he's also very bold when they ask him about, well, why did Pope Pius V how, what authority did he have to excommunicate Queen Elizabeth in the first place? And he says, well, he has the authority because it's been given to him by God. He can say who's in the church and who's not in the church. And he, so he says, I will acknowledge no other head of the church, but only the Pope. And Her Majesty has no authority in temporal issues, but what he allows her, and that may seem kind of strange to us, but still that his view was in church matters, particularly the Pope had the authority, not the Queen. And therefore, the people 
cry out, away with the traitor, hang him, hang him. Oh. And and so he goes off to his, his horrible death of being hanged, drawn, and quartered, which we won't describe this early in the morning. Right, exactly. Um, I do find it interesting, this whole point about the temporal causes. I've been taking yes. a Catholic political thought course um, for, yes, that's for true. a while. That. And, yeah. and so uh, this idea, I mean, obviously, Pius V still did have temporal authority as as pope over the the papal states which were much larger mm -hmm. in that time this is before those were taken away from from the papacy right. um but but an interesting point in catholic political thought is that this well interesting point truth right that spiritual authority always supersedes temporal authority there is a distinction but they should not be separated and and that is what the queen herself and her father, of course, had done was was really separate mm -hmm. the church from from the state here. Um, and yet. So this is so interesting to me. The voice sure. of the people is what yes. Father Bowden titled this particular entry, which, of course, we we look at as from our American standpoint, we think as as this really positive thing, you know, democracy. But look at what the voice of the people did here in this instance. Well, and then he backs it up by quoting the uh, Gospel according to St. Luke uh, from the Passion account that the people cry out again, like we have to say <laughs> every Good Friday, yeah. crucify him, crucify him from Luke 23, 21. Yes, the whole issue of the story in the Middle Ages and, and that kind of that holdover through the Re Reformation and uh, Renaissance era, that that's a, a, well, that's a half hour program on the Sunrise Morning Show or any, any place else. But yeah, that's an a, amazing topic. But like, and then just think the, all the Henry VIII's heirs and, and into the Stuart reign, only Mary I and King James II did not claim that they had the spiritual authority over the church in England. Mm. They did leave it to the uh, bishops. And, and so I know no one probably dared to ask themselves that question. Should the monarch really be in charge of the church? And they would, their answer probably would have been no, but they couldn't say it out loud because that would have been treason. We know what happens to someone who commits that treason well, yeah. under Elizabeth I. As Blessed John Slade uh, showed us in his example, yes. um, as a martyr today, Blessed John Slade, pray yes. for us. You can read a whole lot pray more about us. his story over at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com, Stephanie's excellent blog, which is linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Com. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, EWTN. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. this Monday, the 30th of October. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Eternal glory to you, O Lord. You alone are God. Grant us the gifts of worship and wonder. You are the source of all life. Grant us reverence for all that lives. You are the beginning and the end of all that is. Grant us the wisdom to live according to your purposes. O Lord our God, you have brought all things into being from Christ and in Christ and for Christ. May we live the worship we offer you in lives of love and praise through the same Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning. Many of you have been with us for a while. Some of you who are just joining us, we are glad that, you, uh, that you're up and at them on a Monday, the day before Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, Eve. 
It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports after a good day for your Bengals. Thank goodness against those detestable 40 And FC Cincinnati. And FC Cincinnati. Is that a, is that a team too? I'm just messing with Playoff you. I did that for man, Gail Finky, by the way. Gail is a huge FC Cincinnati fan. Uh, but Paul's got good sports reports. King Craft will be along also, and uh, D- Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo, uh, questions about God, uh, questions from God. And then Dr. Benjamin Lewis has more translation tips from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. It's not really translation tips. It's thoughts on translations of the Liturgy of the Hours and the Mass. And then Monsignor James Shea joins us to discuss Eucharistic revival. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have discussed efforts to free hostages held by Hamas while stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid to civilians in Gaza. The White House says the two leaders spoke during a call yesterday morning in which Biden stressed the need to significantly increase assistance to meet the needs of Palestinians. The call comes as Israeli forces expand air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas. Israel's military says fighter jets struck more than 450 Hamas targets in Gaza since Saturday. Meanwhile, Pope Francis repeated his call for a ceasefire between the two during his Angelus address yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Cessate il fuoco. Cessate il fuoco. Cease fire. Cease fire. Pope Francis made this imploration during his Sunday Angelus as he asked the faithful gathered to continue to pray for peace in the Holy Land. Recalling the day of prayer and penance for world peace, which took place in St. Peter's Square on Friday, the 27th of October, Pope Francis thanked all those who participated and urged them not to give up. As we continue to pray for Ukraine, he said, we must also pray for the very serious situation in Palestine and Israel. A Gaza, in particular, si lasciano spazi per garantire gli aiuti umanitari. In Gaza, in particular, let there be room to guarantee humanitarian aid and let the hostages be released immediately, urged the Pope, stressing that nobody should abandon the possibility of completely laying down all weapons. He recalled Father Ibrahim Faltas, the vicar of the custody of the Holy Land, who, when speaking on Italian television, called for a ceasefire. We too, with Father Abraham, say, cease fire, said the Pope. Stop, brothers and sisters. War is always a defeat. Always, always. I'm Francesca Merlo. Delegates at the Senate Assembly have approved the final report for this year's gathering. The National Catholic Register reports the document was approved paragraph by paragraph this weekend with two-thirds of the 344 voting participants needing to vote in favor of including each one. The summary reports call for the summary report calls for greater co-responsibility in the church and proposes global synodal assemblies for decision making in the church. The Holy Father yesterday presided over the closing mass for this year's gathering of the Synod on Synodality and in his homily reflected on our call to love. He said as disciples of Jesus we desire to bring to the world a different type of leaven, that of the gospel. The judge overseeing former President Trump's January 6th case is reinstating a partial gag order imposed on him. 
Mark Mayfield reports. The limited gag order was temporarily stopped earlier this month, with the judge denying the former president's request to pause the order while his appeal plays out. The order denies Trump from making certain statements about both the special counsel team or potential witnesses. I'm Mark Mayfield. There's word that police in Maine were sent to check on the man who killed 18 people in a mass shooting just weeks before it happened. Multiple reports indicate the Maine National Guard had asked local police to check on Robert Card after a soldier felt he may, quote, snap and commit a mass shooting. Officers tried to contact Card on September 16th. That's a little over a month before the shootings took place. Card was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound on Friday night. And time is almost up for an absentee ballot for Ohio's November 7th general election. The deadline to make that request is tomorrow. Early voting hours are expanding beginning today with locations open from 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. through the week and running until 8.30 p.m. tomorrow. Early in-person voting locations will also operate from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday. Elections officials across the state are reporting high voter turnout as Ohio residents decide on a number of ballot issues, including, of course, issue one, which, if passed, would enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution, for which we this whole election process is why we have been praying every day here on the Sunrise Morning Show. 8.07 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. All right, let's get to sports because uh, it's a fun sports report. Maybe uh, one of the best of the year. Bengals rolled past the 49ers 31-17, to third straight win for Cincinnati. Joe Burrow was as sharp as he's ever been. He completed 19 consecutive passes, finished 28 of 32 for 283 yards, two touch or three touchdowns for Cincinnati. Bengals improved to four and three, now tied for second place with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Will uh, Cincinnati will host Buffalo on Sunday Night Football next week? Browns suffered a uh, devastating loss, 24 to 20 to the Seahawks, giving up a touchdown in the last minute. Ravens extended their winning streak to three games with a 31-24 win over the Cardinals. And the Jags have won five in a row as they handed the Steelers a 20-10 loss in Pittsburgh. Also leading story, how about this? FC Cincinnati took care or took control, I should say, of uh, their first-round playoff series with a 3-0 win over the New York Red Bulls at TQL Stadium. It's a big one for the Orange and Blue, who lead the best of three series 1-0. That series will shift to New Jersey for uh, match two on Saturday. And game three of the World Series is tonight. It should be a fun one. Uh, the series is split one game apiece. Brandon Fott going for the D-backs against Max Scherzer for the Texas Rangers. I'm I'm pretty excited. I I I am rooting for the Diamondbacks, Anna Mitchell, but yeah. it was a uh, a classic game one that the uh, the yeah. Rangers came Extra back innings. and won. So 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 far so good. And I know uh, Ken Craycraft is about to be on the uh, show with us. He agrees with me that uh, we want seven games or at least well, six course. to seven games. I yeah, mean, for sure. As much baseball as for we sure. Can.
I have to say, I like the Rangers uniforms better. So yeah. I guess I'm going for the Rangers. I think it's a good looking World Series, regardless. Also, <laughs> I liked uh, a lot of the uh, NFL uniforms yesterday. Seeing the Houston Oilers out there, and then the throwback. Oh, I only Seattle watched. Seahawks I only jerseys. watched the Bengals game yesterday. They look good. So. Well, there, 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 there were. You got, you got to believe me, Anna Mitchell. You I believe, believe you. Me. I awesome. believe you. Well, let's get to uh, weather and traffic because these are messy situations. Yes. Traffic, a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet, mm-hmm. Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Go right ahead. As one would expect, quite a few accidents to report. Expect to be slowing down basically anywhere you're headed on the wet roadways right now. I'll just do the accidents. Left two lanes blocked with an accident on eastbound 275 at Route 4. That has you backed up toward Hamilton Avenue, past Hamilton Avenue at this point. Uh, Southbound 75 at Galbraith, left lane blocked with an accident. And you're stacked up uh, through the Lachlan split back toward almost Sharon Road right now. And let's see, northbound 71, an accident blocking the left lane at Martin Luther King. Not a huge backup behind it yet, but uh, might happen. Southbound 75 in the Dayton area, left two lanes blocked with an accident at Wagner Ford. That has you backed up all the way to I-70. Now for weather, here is... Listener engagement director. What is your <laughs> director, director of donor, listener engage- donor, donor engagement? Listener, I can't remember. Donor and listener There you engagement. go. They're all the same. If so, you're donating, you're probably listening. listening if you're well. listening, you may not be donating, That's but true. you should. You should. That's why Ryan's with us. That's anyway, true. he's here to do weather now. All right. Here in Cincinnati, cold start to the to the day. It's still raining out there a little bit, but it will clear by this afternoon. Cl- clouds will slowly decrease as well, but it will be colder than usual with a high of 47 Tonight, mostly clear. Hard freeze tonight with a low of 28, so make sure you bundle up tonight. And tomorrow, partly cloudy skies, possible evening flurries uh, with a high of 45, but it does look like it will be clear for trick-or-treating tomorrow night. Nice. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, a chance of a leftover rain shower this morning, then becoming partly sunny in the afternoon. Unseasonably cool, though, with a high of 46 tonight. Partly cloudy in the evening, then clearing with a, quote, killing freeze likely, low around 26. And tomorrow, partly cloudy, continued unseasonably cool temperatures with a high around 43. Wow. I know. I don't like reporting these things. I almost didn't come in. That's what it says. (laughs) Sorry, plants. (laughs) You're done. Sorry. All right. Today is Monday, October the 30th. Thanks for joining us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 past. Ken Craycraft is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday Visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Nice to be with you again. It is nice to have you back. And October is, among other things, Mental Health Awareness Month. And you've got a piece over at OSV about our call as Christians to practice solidarity and Christian charity with those who experience mental illness. And first off, Kent, can you just define solidarity so we're all on the same page and how that applies to what we're talking about today? Yeah, so, you know, of course, solidarity, as we've talked about many times on the show, is one of the four pillars of Catholic social doctrine. And solidarity means that 
um, we are all created in the same image and likeness of God without any differentiation in terms of that particular quality. And that means that, and, and that solidarity indicates that um, when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us are affected by sin, we're all affected by sin. When one of us is affected by any kind of social reality, we all are. And, and moreover, the way that I usually describe it is that there are two aspects to solidarity. One is descriptive and one is prescriptive. I've just given the descriptive aspect. That is, we're all made in the same image and likeness of God. From that, we derive the prescription that we're called to embrace one another in empathy and in, solid, and, and in practical solidarity uh, as we face various traumas or difficulties or or even when we face joys, that the prescriptive nature of solidarity tells us that we are called to as Christians to live for one another and find our fulfillment and our and uh, in, in the, the fulfillment of our purpose, I should say, uh, in, in one another and joining in empathy with one another. And Ken, what are some of the pitfalls that we as Christians can fall into when it comes to those in our lives who are dealing with mental illness to one degree or another. Yeah, in the piece I describe a couple uh, or three pitfalls that that we can often that we often meet. The first is is just the difficulty in understanding mental illness. I mean, when when you see a broken arm uh, or when somebody has leukemia or cancer, uh, these are things that are easily measured by medicine or even observed by the observer. When someone has mental illness, it often isn't easy to observe. Uh, it's not, and moreover, uh, we don't understand the causes uh, and the sources of mental illness the way that we understand other diseases. Now, of course, we've made a lot of progress in understanding it and in treating mental disease uh, or psychiatric or psychological or behavioral disorders, but it's still large misunderstood. And that, that's obviously a barrier in being able to treat mental illness uh, and mental health more generally. A second a, a barrier is the stigma that attaches to it. And it's closely related to the first. Uh, it's hard to see and it's hard to find causes. And therefore, sometimes we stigmatize people with mental health issues, either in the language that we use or the presumptions that we make about what has caused what we think has caused their mental illness, and that, that causes problems too. So we need to be careful about the language that we use even when we talk about people with um, mental illness. And thirdly, I had a student uh, email me recently that said that a, a parishioner suggested that a person that that, that parishioner knew uh, claimed to have mental illness or, or, uh, or some kind of psychological illness and blamed it on the person as though it was a result mm. of his sin or something that he or she had done. And uh, and that was Didn't very Jesus disturbing. Jesus talk to me. about again, that like specifically in exactly. scripture. <laughs> That's exactly right. But but in any event, that I would identify that as a third impediment that some people yeah. do harbor this sort of sense that that when someone is mentally ill, they're not really mentally ill; they're just sinful. And if we just purge the sin, then we purge the mental illness, and that's a pernicious uh, error. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Well, you as well. Listeners know how much you love to look to literature and fiction to to sort of bring out the in a well, I guess I shouldn't say practical sure. because it's fictional, but bring out these examples of of what real solidarity looks like. So you've got two examples that you share in the the OSV piece. Can you talk about those? 
Yeah, I do. The, 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 the first is a novel by Marilyn Robinson called Housekeeping, and it's a fascinating novel. I think it's her best of, of many novels. Readers might be uh, familiar with the Gilead series, but Housekeeping, I think, is her best novel. And it's the story of a, a woman um, whose sister committed suicide and who therefore moves in to take care of her own nieces, that is, her sister's uh, daughters. Um, and one of them uh, is named Ruthie, and the aunt's name is Sylvie. And Aunt Sylvie herself suffers from clear uh, mental illness or some kind of psychiatric or psychological uh, disease or disorder, which is not diagnosed. It's not diagnosed in the book, but she lives with it and she copes with it. And so she moves in uh, to take care of Sylvie and Sylvie's uh, sister, Lucille. Lucille uh, can't can't cope with Aunt Sylvie's eccentricities, which are her manifestations of of, uh, of mental health issues. But and so she moves out. Lucille moves out as a teenager into a teacher's house, and this uh, story is set in Idaho in the 1940s and 50s. The the other niece, Ruthie, sees in Sylvie something that she sees in herself. And the point that I make in the piece is that. The eccentricities that are often exhibited by people with mental health issues are on a continuum with our own eccentricities and our own uh, and our own situations, even those of us who wouldn't be clinically diagnosed with mental health issues. Now, I want to make it very clear. I'm not saying that everyone is mentally ill because what that would do is to say that, well, then mental people with real mental illness are just different qualitatively. Yeah. But there is a sense in which we can sh we see in people with mental health issues aspects of our own behavior or our own struggles, and that should cause us to be able to empathize with people with mental illness in a way that we wouldn't otherwise if we're not open to the possibility that we have our own struggles. And so Sylvie copes with her mental illness through all kinds of elaborate and eccentric behaviors. Uh, and Ruthie, rather than to resist those or rather than to really even try to change Aunt Sylvie, sort of goes with the flow. And that going with the flow is the definition of solidarity. And so Sylvie finds her salvation in Ruthie's solidarity with her. And the, uh, the otherwise struggle, the struggles that Aunt Sylvie has with her own mental health is addressed by Ruthie just in being present to her and just in accompanying her. And the story, it's a marvelous story about how uh, the, uh, Ruthie is able to help Aunt Sylvie keep the house, the house that they live in, but keep Aunt Sylvie's own house and trying to keep her own life together as she struggles with mental health issues. Well, thank you so much, Ken Craycraft. Go read more about it in his piece over at OurSundayVisitor.com. It's linked in the show notes for today. Don't forget to click that subscribe button so you can get that info in your inbox every day as we go on the air. Traffic and weather up next. It's 19 past. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 
513-941-0428. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Expect to be slowing down anywhere you're headed on the wet roadways. Got a couple of accidents still lingering. Southbound 75 at Galbraith, the accident has been moved to the shoulder, but you are still backing up towards Sharon Road, eastbound 275, left two lanes remain blocked at Springfield Pike. The backup is back past Hamilton Avenue right now and checking on the accident in the Dayton area, southbound 75, two lanes, left two lanes blocked at Wagner Ford. You're stacked up behind it to I-70. Now for weather, here's Ryan Lopez. Thank you, Annie. I just want to let you know I got a message from a good friend, Kim, we both know, who said, you and Annie just gave the best lousy weather forecast I think I've ever heard. (laughs) Neat. So this is a lousy weather forecast, but we're going to try to keep it positive. Today here in Cincinnati, cloudy start. The rain will end. There's a positive. Clouds will slowly decrease. It will be cooler than usual with a high of 47 today. Mostly clear tonight with a hard freeze, a low of 28. And tomorrow, partly cloudy. Evening flurries possible, high of 45, but still should be nice for trick-or-treating. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, a chance of leftover rain showers this morning, then becoming partly sunny, positive right there in the afternoon. Unseasonably cool with a high of 46. Tonight, partly cloudy in the evening, then clearing with a killing freeze, maybe killing some of those weeds. I don't know. A low around 26. And tomorrow, partly and continued unseasonably cool temperatures with a high around 43. Mr. Positive over here. <laughs> I try. Now, please pray with me our uh, daily novena prayer ahead of the November election. We're now, what, eight days away? So um, step up your prayer and fasting now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart all for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers, and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray Pray for for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray pray for for us. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo joins us next. It's 24 past. Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. The ceremony is Saturday, October 28th, 2 p.m. at the Veterans Garden at 11,000 Montgomery Road and will feature keynote speakers, presentation of service pins to veterans, and a rosary following the ceremony. Please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families. More information at gateofheaven.org slash events. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Twenty-five minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo from the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. He's host of the Church Life Today podcast, and we've been going through his book, A God Who Questions. Good morning, Dr. DeLorenzo. Good morning, Annie. So today's question from Jesus is, who do the crowds say that I am? And I was thinking about this, Dr. DeLorenzo, Taken out of context, especially in our day and age, this is quite the loaded question. <laughs> it really is. So it is the question of maybe you could say the reputation of Jesus or the question of the expectations of Jesus or putting Jesus in his place, his context. So uh, as you say, it could really be a loaded question today or maybe in every age. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get the context now. So this is Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the people say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the old prophets has risen. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. What does Peter's response tell us, do you think? I think Peter's response tells us that something has been given in grace through faith, that his recognition of who Jesus is right there is not simply the result of his own uh, rationalization. It's not the result of his own deductive reasoning. It's the result of being drawn into Jesus's prayer with him that he's been given to see for the moment who Jesus truly is and who Jesus truly is for him and for others. Now, of course, as we know, this vision and this grasp that Peter has uh, evades him pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And he turns from Jesus again, as is Peter's custom. But in that moment, uh, he is grasped by what he sees in faith. And that vision is the vision of the truth of who Jesus is. So let's take this into our own time when the idea of acceptance of who I really am, whatever that means, mm. is really considered the greatest commandment by many in, in our culture today. So my question is, why then do we not afford God that same kind of acceptance of mm. who he really is? That's a beautiful and really powerful question. I think, you know, the way that you started that thinking about claiming my own identity or creating myself, 
we take the initiative and we, in fact, take the prerogative to create an image of ourselves to build up our own profile uh, for one reason or another. But of course, the truth of who we are as human persons is that our identity is first received. It's who God has made us to be. And that takes actually a responsiveness and a receptivity to receive ourselves. So as you wonderfully turned it there, uh, why not afford also that kind of generosity to God that we ought to receive who God is rather than creating God in our own image. And I think beginning from there, we can see the ways in which we do that to other people as well. We create images of who others are. We fit them into the narratives that we want to tell. And we know, I think from experience, that one of the most difficult things to do is allow someone else to be who they are and reveal themselves to us on the terms that have been given, not what we want them to be. And I think those of us, even with our closest friends, are constantly involved in that process of conversion, of being converted to the truth of who our friend is, not the ways in which we oftentimes uh, confine them to our preconceived notions or our expectations or our ideas. Well, it's... <sighs> I, I'm just like trying to do the mental gymnastics here because I was just thinking about we are we are made in the image and after the likeness of God. That is how mm -hmm. we receive our identity. So we are called to be God, to be like God, right? I mm -hmm. mean, that is how he created us to be one with him for all eternity. Um, and yet we we place these ideas of what we want God to be in our own image and after our own likeness. I mean, it's like this inverted way of thinking about it. Like, okay, this is how I am and I'm not going to change. And so that must be how God is then. Um, it's almost this twisting of under the understanding of being made in the image and likeness of God. That's Does exactly that right. I'm trying oh, to absolutely. Like figure it out no, in no, my no. head. That's right. I mean, I think this is uh, the insight of St. Augustine sort of writ large, that we who are made to praise God actually turn things around and make all things praise ourselves, including yeah. our image of God that wow. we draw into a function of our own sort of self-presumed glory. And the whole discipline of the human life, it would seem, is learning how to yield that faulty control, that control that we're tempted to, and to be drawn into the primary image of God to allow ourselves to be grafted onto him rather than conforming him to what we would like to see, which is usually something that would serve our own interests, that would serve our own uh, sort of faulty desires. So, I mean, we're touching on the whole mystery of life, I think. The, the turn from sin to conversion is the turn from controlling God according to our image to letting ourselves be formed and reformed in God's image. So how do we work to bring ourselves out of the crowd and and mm -hmm. into the place of Peter in, in accepting God for who he really is? Well, I find one of the most uh, sort of stirring and surprising parts of this passage comes right at the beginning. And, and perhaps like when we read through it the first time, we don't catch it. But it says, when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him. That's a bizarre thing. Jesus is in solitude and the disciples are with him. And we see this time and time again that when Jesus withdraws, when he as it's being told to us, is alone, is involved in the depths of intimate prayer with his Father. In fact, he makes a place for his disciples there. And it is precisely in that place that Peter 
has this recognition by faith. So I think that the path for us to recognizing God as he is has to do with detaching regularly, time and time again, from the noise of the world. That is to enter into the silence and solitude of prayer where Jesus will be waiting for us and where we meet him. But I think also... And I and I put this in this in the chapter. I think also those traditional practices of the church that are recommended to us, especially during the season of Lent, but not only then, the practices not only of prayer but also of fasting to letting go, to removing from ourselves something that we would otherwise want, and the practice of almsgiving, which is to displace our own focus on ourselves and give our interest to the needs of the neediest, where God, in fact, puts his own interest. Those, I think, restore us slowly, time and time again, to the correct image of God that we are not just thinking about who God is, but actually being removed from the other ideas we have and restored to the right practice of communion with others. So I'd say that the best way to come to know who God is, is to engage in those practices of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Amen. Amen. Read more about it in A God Who Questions, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to uh, get it in your inbox every morning. Dr. DeLorenzo, great discussion today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. See you later. All right. It's 34 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Pope Francis has repeated his call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father also called for Hamas to release the Israelis. It's holding hostage. And he called on the world to continue providing aid to the besieged Palestinian enclave of Gaza. He appealed again for a ceasefire, saying war is always a defeat. Meanwhile, President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have discussed efforts to locate and free the more than 220 hostages while stepping up the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. More from Mark Mayfield. The White House says the two leaders spoke during a call Sunday morning in which Biden stressed the need to significantly increase assistance to meet the needs of Palestinian civilians. The call came as Israeli forces expanded air, sea and ground attacks against Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Delegates at the Senate on Synodality approved the final report for this year's gathering, which will serve as a basis for the discussions next year in Rome. The National Catholic Register reports the document was approved paragraph by paragraph with two-thirds of the 344 participants needing to vote in favor of including each one. The summary, among other things, calls for a greater co-responsibility in the church for the laity. The Holy Father yesterday then presided over the closing mass for this year's gathering of the Synod. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The celebration in St. Peter's Basilica marked the culmination of this first session of the Synod on Synodality, looking at communion, participation, and mission. Reflecting on the day's gospel reading when a doctor of the law tests Jesus by asking him which commandment in the law is greatest, the Pope said this important and enduring question can arise in our own hearts and the life of the church. And the Lord's answer that we should love God with our whole life and love our neighbor as ourselves points to the heart of everything, he said, and how everything can begin anew. Amare. Amare Dio con tutta la vita e amare il prossimo come a se stessi. 
In fact, love invites adoration, he observed, as a response to God's gratuitous and astonishing love. And to adore God means to acknowledge in faith that he alone is Lord and that our individual lives, the church's pilgrim wave, and the ultimate outcome of history all depend on the tenderness of his love. Secondo verbo è servire. Amare servire. The second great commandment, the Pope said, regards loving our neighbor as ourselves. And he said to adore God and to love our brothers and sisters with his love, that is the great and perennial reform. In conclusion, the Pope said the Lord will guide us and help us to be a more synodal and missionary church, a church that adores God and serves the women and men of our time, going forth to bring to everyone the consoling joy of the gospel. I'm Thaddeus Jones. 8.37 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. It is another victory Monday for the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals rolled to their third straight win after knocking off the 49ers 31-17 in Santa Clara. Joe Burrow completed 19 consecutive passes Finished 28 of 32 for 283 yards, three touchdowns. Cincinnati improves to four and three, now tied with Pittsburgh and Cleveland for second place after both those teams lost yesterday. Cincinnati will host the Buffalo Bills Sunday night. Sunday night football should be uh, should be great. How about this? Uh, FC Cincinnati took control of their first round playoff matchup with a 3-0 dominating win over the New York Red Bulls. At TQL Stadium, the Orange and Blue now lead the best of three series 1-0. That series shifts to New, to New Jersey for a match two on Saturday. And game three of the World Series is tonight in Arizona. Diamondbacks and Rangers both tied at one game apiece. That's a check-in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Uptown Catholic invites all to a healing service Saturday, November 11th at St. Monica St. George Church in Clifton. Worship begins at 6.30 p.m. and the healing service at 7. For more information, visit sacredheartradio.com slash event. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur. Please pray with me the prayer for Ohio. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. 
May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's always fun to catch up with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy, online at isolweb.org. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good to be back. It's always fun when we get to do in these segments something that is appropriate to the liturgical season. So what do you have for us today? So today I thought we would look ahead to later in the week. Uh, We've got coming up the Feast of All Saints. And I wanted to look again at a a hymn. Uh, And since it's a morning show, uh, maybe we can look at the, the hymn for morning prayer, Lauds. That sounds great. For the great Feast to of me. All Saints. Now, I know with some of these, there have been sort of placeholder hymns. Um, exactly. Rather than the translation. So, is this one of those cases where you took the placeholder hymn and you went back and said, well, let's go translate what the original Latin hymn is? Is that one of these cases? It's exactly, exactly right. All right. Yeah. So, what so do we have? This is, this is the before brand new... and after. This <laughs> right. is like an infomercial, right? <laughs> sure, right. So, the before hymn, if you turn to morning prayer now, uh, in. Uh, in the current version of the Liturgy to the Hours for November 1st, Feast of All Saints. You have uh, a, a nice hymn, uh, but not a translation of the Latin. It goes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see our God. The secret of the Lord is theirs. Their soul is Christ's abode. The Lord who left the heavens our life and peace to bring, to dwell in lowliness with men, their pattern and their king. Still to the lowly soul he doth himself impart, and for his dwelling and his throne chooseth the pure in heart. Lord, we thy presence seek, may ours this blessing be. Give us a pure and lowly heart, a temple fit for thee. So, nice hymn. That's pretty Um, good, you know. Yeah. You know, I find that with with a lot of these, the befores are not bad. (laughs) You know, I mean, the befores are actually good most of the time. Yeah, they are. But this is this is a translation of the Latin uh, that the church proposes for us to sing um, for this. It's a it's a 10th century hymn called G- O Jesus, Savior of the World. So this is a, a Latin text that goes back to the 10th century. Which, oh, by Jesus. the way, if people know, um, is around the time that All Souls especially became much more of a thing, that, that uh, celebration of this autumn triduum began to materialize a little bit more. Right. So here's here's the new translation. O Jesus, Savior of the world, come help and strengthen your redeemed. God's loving mother, hear our prayer that those who suffer may be saved. Let angels gathered in their choirs, the ranks of holy patriarchs and prophets who with merits shine, implore forgiveness for our sin. Then let the Baptist sent before and Peter bearing heavenly keys with all the apostolic band come set us free from bonds of guilt. Let martyrs come in sacred choir and holy virgins chaste and pure. Let priests all faithful till the end come wash us clean from every fault. 
Send monks and nuns with timely aid, and all who dwell in heaven above, to hear the prayers we humbly make, and beg for us the prize of life. All glory be to you, O Christ, the Father and the Spirit blessed, whose presence, filled with wondrous light, gives joy to saints forevermore. Amen. Okay, so I have chills, and I'll tell you why. Uh, so the previous one was pretty great, right? Yeah, yeah. But what you see in this one, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know if listeners picked up on this, but I picked up on it immediately. There's a progression from the top mm-hmm. down. Yeah, exactly. With Jesus, then Mary, mm-hmm. then the angels, the patriarchs, <laughs> yes. the prophets, John the Baptist, Peter, then after Peter, the apostles, after the apostles, yes. all the martyrs, all the virgins, then the priests, then basically all monks and nuns. I yeah. mean, this sort of like divine, it's like listing the choirs of angels or something. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, the, it's this sort of like the whole thing funnels from the top down yeah. to eventually you and me. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly right. You it's like you're getting a picture of the entire train of the redeemed starting with the head of the church, Jesus Christ himself, and going through all the the categories of of angels and saints from the top down. It's like you're seeing this great long line of um of the saints. Well, what's interesting is that that's how the litany of the saints kind of goes too. When exactly. You pray it normally, like with starting with Jesus, Mary, and then you go with the big ones, and it kind of filters yeah. down, mm-hmm. sort of group by group. Yeah. So this, yeah, this is like a litany. It's it's reminiscent of the Te Deum. Uh, you, you're yeah. There's so many different uh, ways that this resonates with other parts of the liturgy. So yeah, this is the text that um, that we have in Latin and. Uh, which you can now uh, you can now sing these hymns. So can I tap into as we as we close this out here, uh, your experience because you're a convert and you came from Methodist roots and we didn't really do All Saints Day, and <laughs> exactly. so we didn't really think about ourselves being part of like all this this sort of train right yeah <laughs> this procession. Like, what was it like to you as someone who didn't grow up with All Saints Day? to work through and sort of figure out this bigger, this massive picture of this whole church in heaven cheering us on here on earth. Yeah, it was both a challenge and a great blessing for me personally. I think this this hymn sort of is, it's right on the, it's right on the cusp of, you know, you could ask why, why are we saying, you know, to the apostolic band, come set us free from bonds of guilt? That sounds an awful lot like we're asking the saints to save us rather than asking Christ to save us. But really when it comes down to is we're asking them, hear the prayers we humbly make and beg for us the prize of life. We're asking them simply to pray for us, pray to God, pray to Christ for us. That's what we're really expecting of them. So it's a really wonderful thing to think we can not only ask Christians here on earth to pray for us, but we can even ask the saints in heaven to pray for us. And that's sort of a, that opens up whole new Uh, doors for uh, thinking about what it means to be a Christian and how to how to live in in this long train of of the redeemed you makes you realize you're much of a part of a much bigger church than you thought yeah (laughs) exactly Dr. Benjamin Lewis we've got isolweb.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com thank you so much have a great day thank you you too Matt back after this it's 12 till
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Monsignor James Shea. He's president of the University of Mary, a key sponsor of the National Eucharistic Congress. But around my house, we know him, among other things, as the author of From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, a fantastic uh, book for anyone involved in apostolic work. Monsignor Shea, how are you? Good morning. I'm I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Oh, I think we're having a bit of trouble with your line. We're going to see if we can maybe reconnect with you in the and get going there. We're uh, a little bit in a tunnel there. Annie, did you uh, did you catch that? I think Annie might be actually out. Uh, yeah, here I'm here. I'm here, but I'm gonna here in just a minute. Um, but uh, he's got some reflections on the Eucharistic revival in light of the Feast of All Saints and All Souls coming up. Um, by the way, his book, From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. If any of you are trying to wonder and think about. Like, how in the world do you talk about Catholicism in a world that's, like, so post-Christian that the conversation seems almost impossible to have? That is the book. It is short. I don't even think it was published with, like, the intent of being, like, a big thing. But it is hugely, and I mean hugely, uh, insightful in terms of, like, understanding, you know, all the stuff that makes sense to us, like, perfect sense to us as Catholics. Because we come from, like, this Eucharistic worldview, this sacramental world that kind of understands how the family and the church are all meant to fit together and flow forth from Christ, and how do we communicate that with people who have no point of reference to Jesus, no point of reference to the church, no point of reference to the family, much less any point of reference to the sacraments. So uh, if we don't get Monsignor Shea back here, then—oh, we got him. Monsignor Shea, you there now? 
I'm here. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, I almost had to go get Lassie. It sounded like you fell down the well, but yeah. we got you now. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm above ground. Well, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, we're in these last days of October, of course, getting ready for All Saints Day and All Souls Day. These are tremendously exciting days of the year. And, of course, we're in the midst of the National Eucharistic Revival, so there are lots of reasons uh, to be high-hearted as a Catholic today. Well, we often think about the Eucharist as this thing that unites you and me and all the people who are alive, right, uh, in the, their physical bodies walking around on the earth right now, uh, in that sense of the word, alive. But how do these uh, feasts help us to kind of really reflect on how the Eucharist connects, like, all the parts of the Church militant suffering and triumphant? Yeah, so you, this is something here at the University of Mary in North Dakota, I'm constantly speaking with our students about remembering that it's not just the visible realities all around us. It's not just uh, the, the way in which we live our faith in this world. It's connecting to our eternal destiny, our everlasting destination, which is heaven and life with God forever. And so the, the Mass really does uh, connect us in just that way. And I had an experience, Matt, um, when I was uh, discerning my vocation to the priesthood, it was a long time ago. I was a college student myself, and, um, and now, of course, I work with college students full-time. But I had a younger brother who was killed in a farm accident, and um, he was very close to me. You know, we were, I grew up on a farm, and, and I was the oldest of eight children. He was number seven. We had seven boys all in a row, and then at the very end, there's a little girl. But I remember being uh, so filled with grief after his passing and so missing him so deeply. And I was on a retreat uh, that summer after he had passed away. Um, and late at night, one night, I was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And uh, I had this grace, and it stayed with me ever since, knowing that I, I, I missed my little brother, Matthew, um, but that he couldn't come back to me. And I thought of David, remember, after the death of the child of Bathsheba. He said, I can't mourn anymore. Uh, he cannot come back to me. I must go to him. And so I realized that until I'm united with God and with the saints in heaven, the closest that I could be to my brother was there in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, because I knew that there, by faith, I was with Jesus, truly, really substantially present in the Blessed Sacrament, and that, um, and that he was with Jesus in heaven, uh, a young boy who had, who had died having been baptized. And so I, uh, I was so encouraged by that that it really has been a mainstay for me for the rest of my life. And so when we celebrate Mass, or when we're in Eucharistic adoration, we're, we're very close to the saints and to all of those who have gone before us, to all, the, all, all those who are with God in the court of heaven, they join us, the angels join us at Mass and at Eucharistic adoration, as well as our loved ones who have died and who are with God. And so for us to remember that and be mindful of it makes the Eucharist an extraordinary treasure here in this world on this side of eternity. And if we treat that treasure if we um, treat it casually or dismissively or don't continually call to mind its tremendous value, we're shortchanging ourselves in one of the greatest opportunities to grow in faith, which means growing in our understanding of what's real and true and beautiful.
Well, we've only got a couple minutes to unpack this, but I have a massive question from you. It connects to that, but it also connects to um, the perspective you take in your book from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, which is just, it's, it's, mm. it, look around our house, it'll be on like some kind of surface somewhere, like at any given point in the day. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if people are watching the World Series or the NFL and they see someone score a touchdown or they see somebody, you know, cross home plate and they point to the sky, these are not often people who are connected to the Eucharist. Just a brief thought maybe to help us help them understand like what you're looking for, that connection with those loved ones can be found here. Absolutely. So the the um, the the veil that separates the visible from the invisible is very thin. And so when you see a sports figure pointing up at the sky, they're actually pointing up to the sky in a symbolic way. Really, the, the kingdom of God is breaking into this world every moment. And if we had the eyes of faith to see, we would see that all around us are those we love. All around us, more than that, are those who love us. The saints are watching our lives carefully. God and Mary and the angels are watching our lives carefully, and they're deeply, deeply engaged in what happens to us, and they pray for us and cheer for us. We're back tomorrow. Thanks so much. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they're the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500-513-248-3500. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. This is Father Benedict Kinsler, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport. 9-